0: Hello, and welcome to In the Past Garage Rock Podcast, the show where we talk about a song for way too long. I'm your host, Weldon Gardner-Hunter, and with me, as always, my loyal co-host, Eric, the E-word, Komernicki. Weldon, now let me tell you, yes, the story of my life. Oh, I've heard it all before, <laughs> but I'm willing to hear it again, and maybe one day we'll, pu- we'll actually publish it, because, you know, our stories must be told, the narrative's Must be told, but I think they should be told in song. But I think some people might, if you had a song about yourself, they might protest. And that's the theme of this week's show. We're doing garage rock protest songs. Now, you might not think garage rock is a uh, a genre that often protests, but we've picked three songs that are going to change your mind about that. You know that meme that's out there? I don't think Eric will know it because I think you don't spend a lot of time on the Internet. You're busy managing your many properties and, you know, your mansions and the zoo that you have, I think, in my your staff. mansion in Paris. Yeah, your staff. Um, but there's a meme where someone's sitting at a table outside. It's like a kind of information table. And I don't know what the original thing was, but it says something, something, something changed my mind. He, was someone saying, this is my belief change my mind and so now they use that meme template for anything so mine would be garage rock music uh, isn't political, political? change one mind yeah. yeah and so we're gonna change people's minds on that so let's just get to the first song here and actually I hope Eric has them up here because the the first one should be social end product by the blue stars from 1966. That's uh, the Blue Stars from 1966 with social end product. Now my notes are in, a little bit out of order, so let me just figure out where they are. Okay, Blue Stars, gonna tell you about them. They're from New Zealand. Uh, the members of the band: Rick von Bachoven, vocals and guitar; John Harris on lead guitar, who wrote the song; Murray Savadin on bass, and he's doing some stuff in there. He's also on vocals, and Jim Crowley on drums. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention or look up is what place in New Zealand they're from. Do you actually have the city they're from? Uh, no, I
1: didn't write it down. If nothing else, I guess I just don't know it. That's the answer.
0: Yeah, and I think maybe this week's intern per diem could let us know. But uh, we might get we might get that information, or we might not. At Did any you rate, say the bass player is singing the song. No, no, no. I think the singer is okay,
1: – Because uh, I was like, if you're playing that bass line and singing, I was, I was pretty impressed. That's a cool well, bass line.
0: Well, well he is uh, on backing vocals, I right, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Well, that's still good. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, John Harris wrote the song. Uh, Rick von Bachoven is uh, the guitarist. Now, I read some stuff about the Blue Stars over the week, but maybe we can just pepper in the stories that we might know about them. As we go along, because I don't, I think people will protest if we take too long to start talking about the song. I think people don't even want to hear us talk about the song. They just want to hear it again and again and again. One of the best garage rock songs of all time. I mean, one of the best rock songs of all time. One of the best songs of all time. My favorite Blue Star
1: story that I read was that they, they were um, some kind of band. They didn't say exactly what, but a, a, a presumably a less rockin' band, a less modern-sounding band uh maybe doing more old timey sound and stuff and then they heard the beatles they heard please please me the album please please me and then apparently they were so blown away by please please me that they just like withdrew from the public eye and they completely changed their style in every song that they played and then they returned as <laughs> this new band that was beatles inspired but this song to me doesn't sound beatles at all it sounds stonesy but but uh but even cooler than stonesy we'll, we'll talk about everything that makes it yeah
0: song. yeah i like the idea of them wood shedding uh just to become the right band you know like whatever they were playing before i'd I'd be curious to hear yeah but yeah, yeah they like, took it a lot it a,
1: a taste of honey and stuff which which the beatles do actually that's the, the only uh tacky songs <laughs> i know are ones the beatles do cover
0: <laughs> yeah yeah or basame mucho or something like that yeah 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 <laughs> probably something lighter for sure although you never know maybe they were doing really crazy rock and roll like Little mm. Richard or something or Escarita, which, right. which and they you went know, less rhythm and blue. They might've gone like less bluesy and a little more. Yeah. Sort of complex Although or whatever. I, I just can't imagine boys from New Zealand doing that. But then again, listen to this song and how fierce it is. Like you're angry if you're from New Zealand, in the sixties, because I imagine being in like, cause I'm from Canada and you are from Canada. What it would have been like for someone like my father who would have been, oh, he was actually in his twenties in the sixties probably wasn't really that angry, but if he was, Canada is at least, hey, we're right next to the US, so we can go over there. But if you're from New Zealand, you feel like possibly, I'm just speaking for New Zealanders here, people who don't listen to our podcast, by the way, we really have very little listeners from from New Zealand from when we do our demographics. But they could be a little bit, maybe a chip on their shoulder because they're just kind of forgotten. I don't think that's the reason why these guys sound like this, though, but there is something going on in this song. This has got the fairy dust on it. So we could start talking about the song. We're definitely going to be talking about the lyrics. So I'm going to throw to Eric to start telling me what needs to be known. To me, the the most standout – if I was just going to try and figure out what the uh,
1: most outstanding elements of the song are, what makes it special? I'd say number one, fuzz riff. Mm -hmm. Listeners know and our listeners love – wait, that doesn't make sense. Listeners know that we love a great fuzz riff. Well then. <laughs> we love a great fuzz riff. This is what I do for diction exercises before every episode so that I can deliver these sonorous Listeners tones. love Those fuzz riffs. riffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh and this one has a really awesome fuzzer that do no na na na. So let's let's come back to that in a second but I just want to also say that the another thing that makes this really special is Angry lyrics, just incredible lyrics that we are going to have to break down line by line. I make it sound like that's a big deal. We do that about pretty much every song we do. Uh, Then, number three, maybe this should be above number two, but the way this guy says words. Mm -hmm. We've got a couple royalettes in here. This guy is Mm -hmm. great at saying words. It's an underappreciated skill. People who are great at saying words. And then, a couple honorable mentions. Uh, the great bass line, which I already referred to that uh, Murray Savadin is doing, and then also the chord change from the chorus to the verse and back, which I'll explain what's happening there when, when we get to it. But I'm going to sort of wait till we start going through the song and the lyrics. But w- what do you have to say about those couple things I identify? Oh,
0: that I would add the pounding rhythm to boom, boom, yeah, boom, yeah, boom, boom. mashing drums, right? Yeah, yeah, these guys are they—they're given in a performance here. Now it's interesting that in the interviews uh, that I've read with them, they talk about how, uh, well, just one I think where they mention actually it's going to be something that the other band says. Our second song is that uh, they think it's poorly played, but I think there's false modesty going on there um, because uh, it. In, actually, I was listening to a radio show from 2016 where they're interviewing other people about the importance of this song to people in the garage rock world, but also two of the members of the band, one of them being John Harris. And he says something about there's some covers out there that are even worse than our version, (laughs) knowing that their version is obviously the first one and the original one. But there's no way, no way. This is really good and really well played. Do do you want a song with this kind of message
1: sounding like like a max martin produced kelly clarkson tune or something right Like you you don't you want it to sound like this and part of i think when they're talking about the performance is you know they are talking about performance but they're probably talking about production as well because what does it sound like it sounds like a garage rock song and this is one of the garage episodes we've ever done i would say maybe the maybe this might be the garage episode we've ever done because if yeah. you do an episode with covers, you're gonna have a of some. We actually shoot for some variety of sound, right? Like mm-hmm. we, I mean, if there's four classic garage covers of something, we'll play them all. But we love it also if there's like a disco version or something, right? That's fun. Or if we get mm-hmm. some Falco in or whatever. But mm. this, we've got three of like quintessential garage tunes, and every one is you, you know Miley Cyrus has an album called Bangers. When you put that album on, it should be these three songs. And you'd also be like, why is this album only three, less than three minute songs? But you'd be like, but I'm still happy because I, I thought it was Miley Cyrus, and now I'm getting Blue Stars, Savages, and Unrelated Segments.
0: I'm curious about your listening habits because you mentioned Kelly Clarkson and Miley Cyrus in the it's last – It's coming to mind, I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's because you're so angry about modern music that because of listening to these songs and how great they are and they're from the past, that you're like, why can't we have songs like this now? But – it's partially
1: also because when I was taking the composition courses and I was mm. learning like how hit songs were produced because I was thinking like maybe I'll produce a hit song. So then like the the instructor would be saying something about how great these modern pop recordings are. And they are great in their own way, right? Because yeah. something that is a number one hit has achieved its goal. It's hard to criticize it because it's done what it is aspired to do and and i'd listen and i'd be like okay yeah this is this is pretty cool but i have to admit that that's not what i sit around listening to <laughs> lately i just listen to nrbq so nice. that, that's all that's all that's on my turntable besides whatever's on the, the podcast for the week
0: yeah 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 um if you if you want to know how to produce a great song even though it's not necessarily going to be a hit go back to New Zealand in 1966 in a time machine and just press play and record or plus record, I guess. Uh, I'm assuming you have like a boombox box, you're just going to press play and record and let these guys play. And then you just press stop when they stop and then you go, there it is. But I I don't think that's what was done here. You do have to wonder what the studio
1: would have been like for a recording like this, right? Because yeah, it it doesn't sound like a George Martin produced Beatles record, but this is a professional recording. and Did you get what
0: level of a hit this was if, if well i i didn't look into um, whether or not it was even a hit in new zealand what i do yeah, remember yeah. reading is that because they're from new zealand this song just didn't stand a chance really getting distributed right. because the music industry in new zealand would have been for the time <clears throat> it would have been hard for them to get it out to i'm even wondering you know about australia hearing stuff like this because you know you have to so, so that's just the thing I remember is that this wasn't a hit, um, and these guys broke up. I think a year later, but then, I'm I'm you know, I think I I might can be conflating stories. These yeah, I think these guys broke up because I read the story about them having a nightclub uh, oh, that yeah, they yeah, ran, yeah. the Gallows, for about half a year or something like that.
1: Well, I read that the only way that you could distribute content out of New Zealand and Australia back at this time in the mid sixties was, was in a, in a bottle, like as a message in a bottle. <laughs> so the, what the bands would do is they, if they had a single, they would break it up into little pieces because they had to shove it into the top of the bottle. And then even if it did make its way across that, people were just like, well, I'm not going to assemble this, this broken uh,
0: shellac, you know? Well, what they'd have to do is they'd have to get, what's that bird called a Kiwi to fly it over to Australia to <laughs> then deliver it to a, a kangaroo who then hopped across <laughs> The country of Australia, yeah. who then had the bottle, right, and then threw it into the ocean, and then they just hoped it would make its way to a country that would open it, reassemble, and then hear it. So, um, anyway. Before
1: that, they tried to send some of those, like, big spiders they have, and people nobody wanted to take anything <laughs> from a spider, and they are like, well, let just send, like, a kangaroo or
0: a, a, yeah. a, something well, I do wonder if that is kind of the thing because at least Canada in the 60s, we're so we're obviously geographically attached to the United States, so we'd be less trouble. Um, yeah. and then I just think New Zealand must have had bigger problems for things like distribution. So I bet you yeah. you kind of feel like you got no hope, um, in a way of being a band in New Zealand. Like, think of what was the biggest New Zealand or Australian band in the 60s. Who's the guy like, that we talked about, Mr. Lee? Something I can't remember. Oh, that, his name. oh yeah, had, yeah. Like, I yeah, he was. was I don't I remember. Yeah, you're right. We did, and uh, I can't even remember the song now. What it was we did about that one New Zealand artist that yeah. we talked about. Anyways, we do love New Zealand musical. I tend to know more about the '80s and the Flying Nun scene than than the '60s bands. Uh, but the Lottie Daws are another great um, '60s we'll band. Well, Chance R and B. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's three bands there that we know. So we know enough about. <laughs> New Zealand we're, music. We're good. <laughs> we're good. If, we're, if, they, if we were like doing a quiz, we could name three. So it might take us a while. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So you've identified many of the things that make this song great, especially the saying of words and the fuzz riff and everything else that we mentioned. So should we start talking about like, if, do we want to go through the song by how, it, how it's musical elements or do we want to start talking about the lyrics now?
1: Let's focus on the lyrics and we'll say that like it does start with that killer fuzz riff. So like the, I think the first thing you hear is I mean we can listen to the beginning again. We'll, we'll we'll put the fuzz riff on. Don't worry listeners, we'll put the fuzz riff on again. But yeah, I'm sure you'd rather hear me do that than actually hear the actual riff again. And then the bass and the guitars and the drums come in. We've got some um I, I don't know if I'd call it velvet strummed to ground, but we've got some like uh, Ooh, a, aggressively strummed guitar in this yeah, which it's,
0: is it's, I love that clanging rhythm guitar in the yeah, verses. Dirty, yeah. it's, dirty yeah. it's grimy. It, yeah. it, it,
1: um, it, and then um, when we get our, and then we get our chord combo, it's just like, jung, 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 jana, jana. it's a really simple line, but it works well. And these lyrics are awesome. They're very memorable lyrics. And I will say, because I probably am not the kind of person who, if someone said like, what kind of lyrics should I put on my song? I would be, make them some protest lyrics. That's probably the last thing I would say. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. These are, Pretty interesting lyrics. I we choose songs that are great, so we rarely do a song where I think the lyrics suck like outright. Mm-hmm. But these songs are great for the lyrics. I mean, yeah. uh, So it they're they're a highlight of these songs. So yeah, let's go to verse one, and this is where this guy comes in. And would you say this is a sort of Mick Jaggery vocal? That sort of the
0: the lineage of this. <sighs> a good question because a little bit yeah i mean it has to come from somewhere it's probably that but the stones i I shouldn't this this could get us into danger because if you're doing a garage rock podcast and you don't know mid-60s stones then you're just you know you're not doing a podcast anymore you've been shamed you've been scant it's a scandal but i am trying to think of any song that they did that has this kind of aggression to it
2: right yeah you know
0: and and i can't even think of a. Like this is 66. So there are bands in England and around the world who are starting to, you know, the freak beat thing, which is kind of mod with psychedelic stuff and with lots of feedback and the who kind of pioneer that sound. Um, but lyrically and vocally, it's just, it's almost, you know what it is? It, people have pointed this out and we always roll our eyes at the, this is a punk song before punk, but this really sounds more like the 76 punk bands, the way the vocals are. Right. There's just something more angry. And it's, and it doesn't, You know, some people were writing... One person was writing in a comment section somewhere that they thought... They were surprised to find this band was from New Zealand. They thought he was German or something because of the way he over-enunciates words. But to me, that just makes it snottier. Like, it is, I wouldn't necessarily... Guess that this was New Zealand, but I would think this is a native English-speaking band. I wouldn't have thought. I don't think that they're from some other country. But the way they snarl – he snarls the lyrics. Snarl,
1: that's the right word, yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing bluesy about this, right? This isn't bluesy at all for a band called the Blues Tars or the Blue Stars. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And I think you asked the right question, which is like, where's a Mick Jagger song – you know you said of this era but let's say anywhere where there is a snarl like this where there's anger like this and now i'm trying to i know that i've heard something that resonates in this way but now i'm trying to think like what is it i'd have to go through some records to to find anything comparable yeah i think like there certainly is johnny rotten has has anger yeah sort of like this but this isn't singing like johnny rotten i guess i'm just thinking that because he's got the don't stand for the queen line which we we'll talk about yeah
0: second. Well, let's start talking about the lyrics then and get yeah. into that. And because I also think that the fourth line of the first verse is, is maybe different from what lots of people think it is. So, So we're going to talk about what we think he's actually singing. So the first line... Well, I'm going with my interpretation. Plus, of course, there are lyric websites out there, but they're never very reliable. So the first line appears to be, I carry my girl through the mean city streets. Some will say "main," but I think it's an accent thing. Mean is better. Maine isn't as powerful. So I want to believe it's, I carry my girl through the mean city streets.
1: Well, let's talk about that line, too. He's, he's yeah, yeah. literally talking about lifting his girl, like, I guess, over his shoulder or something. And supposedly this line was yeah. from an actual thing that happened where he did carry his girl through the mean city streets or main city streets. Uh, and what, what like that's a bizarre first line. Cause he doesn't expand on this. He just says, here's evidence of how angry I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> carry my girl through the mean city streets.
0: So there could be two things here. He could be carrying her through the mean city streets because they're so mean. He feels he needs to protect her through. You know, this. I imagine the streets of New Zealand being like Escape from New York. That Kurt. Well, is how Kurt would that Russell? be faster? Wouldn't that be a slower way to get through the streets? <laughs> well, it's just more like if you I know he to get him fast. It's still an interesting image, but it also could mean that he had a fight with her, and so yeah. he's carrying her back home, caveman style. And there's yeah. a, an opening. And it's classic garage misogyny, right? Like my girl yes. is acting up, so I'm going to physically restrain her and then mm-hmm. run her through the streets while probably shocked New Zealanders are, are, you know, looking on with, uh, with great, consternation
2: yeah
0: um so so it's one of the two but i love the idea that it's just the new zealand is just some really scary apocalyptic wasteland in 1966 which i'm sure it wasn't but you know it's just crime ridden and so he's got to protect it's 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 probably the other one but i still like that it's got two possible maybe more possible meanings but those are the two i think of so he's
1: saying here i'm i'm a I'm a bad guy or is he saying like, what happened to me? Or is it just a great image and a great first line?
0: I think right now I just say it's a great image and a great first line. We don't condone carrying your girl through no, the mean no, city streets. No. But it's, a, I mean, it's
1: a, but we condone
0: having a first line of your song. that <laughs> makes yeah, your yeah. ears perk up and go like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. And then he, uh, I, he said, I think there's an A plus in this next line, but I can't remember where it is. I'm changing my mind with every week. But he sounds I like he says, I change a my mind. I, yeah, I like change a+. mind. Yeah, I change, I change a my mind. Yeah, I change my mind. With a every week. So there's two A-pluses that I change in my mind. That's what I do. With the yeah. every week. So, yeah. And then, of course, the third line, which is the the real standout, I don't stand for the queen. <laughs> Love that. And apparently that's because in uh, movie theaters, and I assume this was across the Commonwealth. If you are a non-Commonwealth uh, listener, what the Commonwealth, it doesn't get used anymore much, but... Uh, when I was a kid, the Commonwealth was all of the British colonies mean and the English speaking ones specifically. I think it was probably a lot of other ones, but it would mean New Zealand, Australia, Canada and then other ones that, you know, like, I don't know if the Commonwealth was just those English speaking countries where lots of uh British UK people from the UK had moved to when Canada was for a while a very British country, very English Uh, And then, you know, all of the people coming here from that. So if the movie theater was uh, playing, you know, how you and it's terrible when you go to a a sporting event, you have to stand for the anthem. And or if you're in Canada, you have to stand for two.
1: Yeah, actually, that's funny because you hear that
0: story about the movie theater and you think. Oh my God, that's so weird. Like they would actually
1: do that. And then you could later this later tomorrow be at a sporting event and be standing up for the national anthem. Right. It's like, not that weird. We're still doing stuff like that all the time. Yeah, uh, right?
0: and Americans got it good cause they only have to stand for one. And if we've got a hockey game and there's some American team is here, we got to stand for two. Yeah. Although I bet you Americans complain when a Canadian team plays and then, Oh, we got to stand for the Canadian anthem. But yeah, it's dumb. There's no, I always argue about this with my mom. Why, why do we have to? And, and she's like, well, you just do. We like, should do an episode where we do a couple national anthems. We'll just oh play wow. the anthems and we'll talk about them. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, that could be interesting maybe if we're really desperate. But so <laughs> I don't an episode 500 or something where we're really scraping the barrel. But yeah, it could be interesting. We could do uh uh anthems done by rockers. Although that usually sounds terrible even though people love uh Jimi Hendrix doing the Star Spangled Banner. I, I don't think it makes much for wanting to actually listen to it. Again, it's an amazing thing to do, but then you're like, oh, would I listen to it again? No, I don't think I would anyways. But I don't stand for the Queen is, whoa, what a line. Even if you don't understand, you know that it's a uh, a potent line. This kid, and I imagine him as a pimply, uh, disaffected, long-haired New Zealand teen and he's not going to stand for the queen in any kind of capacity. And then and the next. Whereas I don't stand for the teen. Uh, no. And I- <laughs> she doesn't die either.
1: The queen and- says, well, I don't stand for you either. <laughs> Gone now. <laughs> We also have to mention, and I think this was from an episode that might no longer be up anymore. We also have to mention the SCTV with the oh, fake oh. punk band, who did I hate the bloody queen? There was mm-hmm. a, an episode the queen haters. of the show SCTV where there was a, a punk band called the queen haters. I think Martin Short was the singer and they sang a song, got yep. I hate the bloody queen. And it is amazing. It is. Yeah, this is a, a Bo Diddley award uh, play candidate for the song that we will play. Oh later. Yeah.
0: That's actually a good idea. Yeah, uh, sorry for those might, who might want to be listening to um, "Sweets for My Sweet" done by Wang Wang Dog. We'll bring it back, but this week we got a protest, so that yeah. might will be one of them. So yeah, you're right the uh, the tradition of um, Commonwealth type bands. Um, complaining about the queen if that's that's not even that's understating it it's on display here and then the next line is really interesting because it seems to be something like and i'll ask what those traditions mean but he also might be saying and i don't know what sedition means which is oh wow that's what i thought i heard him say when i started paying attention to the lyrics but I think it actually probably is, and I'll ask what those traditions mean. Because he's probably reflecting upon the actual tradition of standing for the queen. Because you're playing God Save the Queen, by the way. Not the Queen doesn't come in to the movie theater and then you stand for her. It's that they're playing the what was once the anthem, right? God Save the Queen, for probably all the Commonwealth nations. And you would have to stand up and before the movie started. So I like the fact that there's Two possible lines there, and the other one is very – I don't think he's actually saying I don't know what sedition means, but I hear it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I like that there's, for me anyways, two possible lines there. I don't know what you want to say about that line. It's cool. It's, it's cool a cool line. line. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a cool line. And of course, we've got the music going on here. So uh, so he doesn't – there's one more verse before the, the actual chorus, right?
1: Yeah, and, and when you listen look at the guitar in a song like this or the bass, one thing you'll note is that it's it's a all like punchy short notes, like they're probably like chank 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 mm-hmm. chank, and the bass going boom boom boom. So you're never hearing that sound of just playing something and sustaining. There's ne- never a relaxing feel to any yeah. of the instruments, right? Because the instruments are just as angry and aggressive and, and like not at rest, not chilled out as the singer and the the theme
0: is. That's an excellent point. I like that. And uh, yeah, this isn't quite an amazing song for 66 we do talk about garage music has you know being punk music but this one is textbook as a matter of fact i'm doing this for the song not anything we said (laughs) this this has never happened a song getting a textbook slam i love it (laughs) i feel like that you'll have to punch that up in post as we always do but uh yeah this was the first time we've textbook slammed a song this is textbook garage like if we were to ask on the quiz Name a garage song which is indisputably punk. That is, you know, they've tested it in labs, and it's empirically true that this is a punk song. This is the one. And maybe there's other – well, the other two that we're going to do <laughs> are probably there too as well. So let's talk about the second verse then. because it's Yeah, yeah. Because it's one – I think it's one where we're going to finally get one of the lines – where we like the way he says it. It's a royalette. So the first line of the second verse is, I've been labeled as an angry young man. So angry young man, uh, don't have to say too much about it. It's it's explanatory, but. But it's important that he says I've gained the label
1: as he doesn't say I'm an angry young man. He says, he talks about it being a label he's been given. It's like the old, um, when the pro athletes go like, well, that's the narrative out there, you know? Yeah, people
0: are saying narrative all the time. Yeah, it's funny as English students, right, that now everyone's talking about the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard it somewhere where someone was talking about their business. I was overhearing someone talking, "Oh, I was at a a, a local restaurant, a, a a greasy spoon, and a guy who is clearly a contractor was talking about the narrative." of something to do with contracting. And I was like, wow, it's everywhere now, talking about the narrative. Uh, Very well-spoken contractor. I shouldn't, you know what, I'm in trouble now with contractors making it sound (laughs) as if Contractors can't be well-spoken, articulate people. Of course they can be. But I I guess you think they don't fit into the master plan. That's the line there. Uh, Yeah, so (laughs) because I don't fit into the master plan. Now, that's a kind of an amazing line because of the way he sings it. But the master plan suggests this kind of fascist society, right? Like the society where you're labeled and the society where you have to fit into some specific kind of role and he doesn't. And yeah, they're yeah. making it sound like it's like
1: a like a fascist thing, like something the Nazis would do, but it's still here in a in a democracy.
0: I'm doing Putin air quotes right now. It's like, a democracy, Krusi, a because yeah, we're in the spirit now. <laughs> we're like yeah, six year old kids mad now. Like these guys, have. <laughs> this
2: bullshit.
0: Yeah, this is, And then of course, under society's microscope, Broil I look at- funny. Yeah. the way he says "microscope" is so good. Can we just hear "microscope"? Yeah, we'll play the verse because I like okay. all of that.
1: Yeah, do you do you have, do you have the timeline? Do you know when I, the verse two I don't, starts? I But am just gonna guess. Yeah.
0: It, yeah, just play it anywhere, and it's gonna be great. It's <laughs> a good point.
1: microscope uh yeah i also he, like the background vocals at the end
0: of the lines so like on
1: angry young man master oh, plan
0: that's right and then he also i forgot there's a there's an actual a plus or, i've been a labeled maybe it's just because mm. he says been and when he hops off that syllable or that uh phoneme then he gets until i've been a labeled as in but that's kind of a punk thing to do is to over enunciate a word to make it sound that's a johnny Rotten kind of thing at least in his uh uh, yeah, it was always kind of his thing, especially in early Public Image Limited, but I've been uh, labeled as an angry young man because I don't fit into the master plan. No, we're just gonna this episode's just gonna be us saying stuff the way the guy says it. But it's also a good th- episode. And then he
1: adds an A plus <laughs> at the end of a word, he does microscope. Ah, Instead yes. of doing a, an A plus at the beginning,
0: but yeah. That's the kind of thing that Marky Smith would do. So this is all just pre, or we could call this proto punk, no problem. No problem, we could call it that because it's, it's with a ferocity that's being played and the singing is ferocious too. Mm-hmm. It's, it is demonstrably angry. It isn't faking it at all. And it's amazing when I listen to this interview with these. Two nice older New Zealand gentlemen talking about the song. Because New Zealand accents are hey, we've been accused of having adorable Canadian accents, which means yeah. that when we get angry, probably people were hearing us and they think we're cuddly teddy bears. Because that's what people think. <laughs> I was Watch asking out, my though. I was asking my brother about the Canadian accent. I was like, what is it that people are hearing them because I don't know and then he says oh it's just when we get excited they think we sound kind of cute and funny like even if we're angry but if it's it's, if we're excited about something we sound a little more Canadian to them and I was like okay that makes sense so so in this case I don't know I'm not I I definitely think he's no joke um but uh, that's a good line too I look funny but it's no joke yeah don't laugh at me just because I dress differently from you I'm I'm not even taking these lyrics as uh, You know, from a perspective of someone older now, uh, mm. who then looks back at being an angry young man and thinking, in some cases, you were right to be angry. In some cases, you were struggling to articulate what it was that made you mad. And you maybe in some ways came to accept the master plan a little bit. Right. But this is at that time where you feel like you could rebel against it if enough other people maybe. You could find them. And I think that's part of it. But yeah, I just love the ferocity of this song. And every line being just angrily spat out, basically, mm-hmm. while you're hearing this fuzz and this like pounding rhythm. It doesn't rhythm. get tiresome, right? Like you
1: no. you could think that maybe just like an ang- a song of all anger like this. And like you said, like spitting out these angry, snarling lyrics could, could be fatiguing. But it's not. It's not at all. But you get to the end of the song, you're like, well, I'd like to hear that again
0: yeah 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 um and i was good so let's get talk about the chorus because there's something there i want to bring up about this the song title itself too mm-hmm. um so shall we uh just uh read out the song uh the chorus lyrics here i'll do yeah
1: that. yeah so well let, why don't we just play the chorus because we got it right yeah. here just because it's such a good do chorus and, and then we'll do talk it. about it
3: Yeah.
1: Nice harmony there on
0: gone all wrong. Yeah. Uh, and yeah you,
1: with that little, the, the next part right after the course there, let's talk about that after. Let's first. Oh,
0: yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Um So I'm a social end product, so don't blame me. I love that because it's just a classic teenage line. Again, you might not actually be a teenager, but uh probably close enough. Don't blame me. I'm a social end product. And now he, if he says of or in society, I'm not exactly sure, but is it important? Maybe. I'm a social end product of society. I'm a social end product in society. Uh, thinking about the word end product and thinking, hey, what is he actually saying? Because I've listened to this song for years and never thought too much about it, but it has a really interesting title, right? Social mm-hmm. end product. And then I was thinking, okay, what is this actually? I mean, let's break it down. So social, you know, he's mentioned society in the the previous verse. But an end product defined is the result of of a process. We only see the result as consumers. We only ever see the end product of something. But the production process that creates the product is outside of us. He's trying to explain, I think, hey, I've become this because of some sort of process that has created me. You didn't see it. You're just seeing the result, but it makes sense. That's what he's and that's a textbook slam. That one isn't for the song, it's for our interpretation of it. I love it. I really slammed those books together. I that <laughs>
1: could be Could be a cause some problems that in the production phase.
0: Well, we have to go through a lot of, uh, you know, getting reimbursed for books that we smash, textbooks (laughs) that we destroy from the textbooks. You know what we should be getting? The interns to slam them together. They're young and strong and they would love to destroy textbooks, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they have this sort of anger,
0: this teen anger that uh, the Blue Stars have here. But their music sounds like, well, it's going to start making an angry – old man kind of statement about the angry music but i actually don't know what the angry music is for teens now i'll have to ask Looks like bruno mars
1: you know Ed
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh god i wonder i have a feeling it's something that i just don't know what it's out there yeah it's probably yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's probably pretty cool even if i don't like it um so yeah so the, we've talked about those two lines i'm a social end product so don't blame me i'm a social yeah, end product
1: and let me mention something about the music because here oh, there's yeah.
0: a sort of a de facto modulation or a faux
1: modulation where because this the verse has been in g and when the riff comes in it's in g that and that riff that fuzz riff is in g and the root note of the riff is g uh so when you have a riff like that sometimes what you expect is that riff is going to mark the chorus or that riff is going to come back and be underneath the chorus and it doesn't at all they go to something very different for the chorus which is the classic garage riff the cat came back riff the hit the road mm. jack riff the walk don't run chord combo that a minor and that uh the dun 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 just that mm. like a uh, descending it's not quite chromatic but more chromatic than than uh, like most Beatles riffs or something, and yeah. the the progression from like "Hit the Road, Jack" or, or "Cat Came Back," um, and it, and it, and it just sounds neat here because you've switched really from G. To, to the the sort of core of that riff being the A minor. And the kind of the key to that that is unheralded is that when you shift back to the riff, it has a really neat sound to it, that you go from this thing that's focused around the A minor and then you're back in G after when the... comes back. So there's a little bit more to the song musically than you may expect.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds amazing. But yeah, if you don't really get deep into it, which is our job... You might just think it's it's almost as if it was sprung up naturally, like it's just the chords of, of anger. Ooh, wouldn't that be a cool band name or a cool title for something? The chords yeah. of anger.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, like as opposed to like that Beatles song, Words of Love, Chords of Anger. Oh, <clears throat> words of Love, comma, Chords of Anger.
1: Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. A pretty good album title too. And yeah. another neat thing that happens in the chorus is in the verse before, the background vocal would emphasize the end of the line, like the lead singer would say, I've been la- I've been labeled as it, in- and then two people say, "Angry young, young man, man," cause I don't fit into the master plan. Right? And two people, but in this one now, the background switched to the beginning of the line. So, like, social uh, product, and then the <laughs> singer solo. So don't blame me, social uh, product of society. Now so it I sounds like The Who substitute. Totally, I think it yeah. does a, a, a bit who-ish, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, we're well, getting then, some. You look at the next here. part with the s, like Oh that's yeah, like a, it's a stutter substitute it's yeah. like my generation has the stutter and they probably thought well what's going to make our song a hit oh, yeah. song they're smart to identify that uh, identify am like well we'll put in a s, although that's the worst a thing to s- do into so a microphone sh- surprisingly yeah. sounds pretty good here not too much sibilance it's yeah. a sibilance product s-
0: <laughs> yeah um you're right the s is is a dangerous sibilant sound as we hear it right there. oh, Um, He doesn't care about your traditions, your recording traditions where you avoid those sounds. Yeah. And he doesn't know what sedition is either. So um, I love it, but we didn't talk about the last two lines because he, uh, of course, because he also says, it's not my fault that I don't belong. And it's true. He is sort of saying them uh, in a very over enunciated way, which just highlights almost like not irony, but just it's as if you're spelling it out. To someone you're speaking to them like they're a child it's not my fault that i don't be long it's the world and then some people think it's i always thought for a long time that it's the world around me that's got it all wrong but it's that's gone all wrong um which is a surprise to me it sounds more you know what this is as a canadian do you notice that australia and new zealand seem more british in their way of speech and people will accuse us of being more american Uh, Mm -hmm. That we don't have things like – I was just reading an interview with Brian Adams, of all things, about his photography. And he says, I've not seen that in a while. And I'm like, that's not something – he's from where I am in Vancouver. He's from North Vancouver. And so he should be saying, I haven't seen that. But he says, I've not seen that before. I'm like, that's so British that it seems like you're affecting it. But if you you said that and you were from either – england or australia or new zealand I'd go ah let them do their british things so there's something really interesting to me about how we have escaped the british sound and i don't think it's as simple as well because we live next door to america and we're uh inundated by their media i think there's more to the story than us being uh, you know invaded and taken over culturally but i are just find that we are
1: a social end product
0: no, I'm not at all, because I think there's other things, in fact. But that's not the subject of this podcast. We can make it an extra bonus. Mm. <laughs> but, like, the theories of why Canada doesn't speak. like It's a linguistics thing that I remember mm. talking about when I was taking some linguistics classes. But I never got, I never got good grades in linguistics. So I was just uh, trying my best out there in those linguistics classes. At any rate... Um, you're right. And then he the world that's around me that's gone all wrong, which is again, just, uh, you know, in a way there's not a lot of subtlety to the lyrics, but that's still, I mean, there's still something going on here. That's worthy. We've already said lots, but I think it's really point your point about the, the who the mm. social end product is so great because it's a slow burns too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a right, right, right. It's a slow burns. Um, we're
0: bringing back all the old terms,
1: and here. then later there's a there's a bit of a snake charmer. Also, <laughs> <Ooh. laughs> in another old one. the, the uh, which actually a s- snake charmer, a snake yeah. charmer. Mm-hmm. And the uh, also, I was thinking, I don't think this is actually what it is, but it's cool enough that I have to mention it. Is that it could be a fuse that has been lit, Ooh. and this guy is going to blow up? Right, this is a fuse that's burning down. Wait.
0: <laughs> I'm getting excited lately about getting the textbooks. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, that was. The fuse has been lit, and he is – there's no doubt that that's what it is. I mean, sorry, but like, even if he didn't intend it, that is what it is. It's right. so – and He's the explosion is – it's when they get to the back to the riff. It's back yeah to the explosion. I feel like textbook slamming it again, but just hear it in <laughs> your mind, everyone. It's just. Well, so- I'll add an explosion sound to the textbook slam. Ooh, that'll be nice. That'll be nice. Yeah. So where where are we at here? Uh, yeah. uh, verse three. Yeah. And, and okay. Unless you want
1: to talk, so so then they do the social end product, social end product. It, there's something very British about that part. Yeah. And yeah. Then the and the bass is really called the doom, and the kick drum and the bass are oh, going yeah. together. It's on a single note, and we then got we to, get to riff and verse
0: Do you want to hear it? Uh, but yeah, but Marie Savin's doing lots of things with the bass, doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. and then he, just at other points he's. He's doing – and the word I use is he's, the bass is doing some dives. He's doing some dives. The it's bass cool. is the instrumental hero
1: of this. Like an, an instrument – so I was like the vocal I think is is the hero, but
0: the bass is the instrumental hero. Yeah, and that's a bold statement because the fuzz riff is there. But the fuzz, Ooh, fuzz riff yeah. is the foundation. Dude, that's the, nice. fuzz, the fuzz riff is the foundation, but the hero is the bass. And you want to give right. the bassist – a little bit of like, you. every now and then you got to make the bassist a hero, or we wouldn't have bassists in the world. So let's give that one to Murray and Point. Match. To him. I don't know what that means, actually. Mm, Checkmate. It. Anyways, keep going.
1: Uh, sh- now, do, do we want to hear anything? Or do oh we yeah, but, verse let's three?
0: just, yeah, let's play the social end part, the stuff, okay. since we talked about it. Let's play it. Great. Right. And then play the next verse, too. I love those little guitar farts. Yeah. Ow. Slow burns. Yeah.
1: Yes, this is totally a slow burns. I never noticed that when I was leaning. That's a really good observation. Okay, yeah. sorry. Uh, let's hear the transition here. Okay. Oh yeah, the riff comes back and boy does it sound good. Oh yeah. And how did you me to turn out?
3: Did you want me just a little boy?
1: of that ccc, that C-C-C. C-C-C. <laughs> it reminds me of that jetson's episode where he goes solar samba Ramba, ccc Sol- <laughs> uh, solar samba Ramba, ccc 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 that's another
0: good Bo diddley award uh song the solar samba Ramba. oh nice wow we've got so wait we got to get per diem to write these down what was the other one <laughs> uh, It was the queen uh, haters the queen haters
1: yeah queen haters and then and solar samba Ramba.
0: Okay, all right, and then uh, I'll just put Jetsons for now because that's all I can write. Um, so, of course, again in that third verse, it's uh, there's questions in this one. So uh, a rhetorical question because he answers the question: How did you expect me to turn out? Uh, a nice pause there too. How did yeah. you expect me to turn out? A lot, hitting a lot of T's there. Did you mm. want me just a little boy scout? and they so boy
1: scouts th- in new zealand eh? that's I, the I first thing yeah. i would have
0: known that for sure yeah hey were you ever in uh, cubs or scouts
1: I was in something called Beavers. Oh, I was was in Beavers, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the Scouts and stuff. Yeah, well, it's... it's, emblem. You get badges and stuff.
0: stuff Well, you're in Beavers, then you you go to Cubs, then you go to Scouts. And my brother went from Scouts to Junior Forest Wardens. My brother went all the way up the scale. I made it to Cubs, Mm -hmm. but I remember being Beavers, which I think is a Canadian thing because I don't think they have them anywhere else. But Scouts... Well, maybe, maybe beavers are somewhere else. Did you ever do the thing? Beavers, beavers, caring, caring, sharing, sharing, sleeping, sleeping.
1: <laughs> I, have, was... I should say I remember very little about being in beavers, so I, I cannot remember. A I was movie. way into it. I remember the it. hat that we
0: would wear. Oh, yeah, that hat and is a really so cool. Good hat. Yeah,
1: it's a really cool looking hat.
0: With a little beaver tail on it, man. I being a kid, I can get one. Yeah, being I'm, a kid is it's, pretty good. It's... Like there's some cool stuff for kids when you look at it. It's the one time you get to walk around with a little, a little kind of beanie hat. And then with a beaver tail on it, if I did it now, well, you could do it in your twenties and be a hipster and be like, I'm being ironic. But if you're doing it at my age and I'd be like, Either he's a Beaver Scout, uh, you know, parent or something, or he's just a weird person. Like I was in a food court a couple days ago, and I saw a little kid
1: riding on his dad's shoulders wearing a Spider-Man mask. I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, your dad's coming to town. It so is can coming to town, I can say, Dad. You know, I've got the Spider-Man mask. <laughs> I'm sure your dad's in good health, but he might hurt his back if you just <laughs> jump on him I like Spider-Man. Though that's awesome. Kids are. You know what? I'm. I'm. Let's. Let's give a special shout out to kids here. This one's who probably, for kids. This one for kids, even though you can't listen to our show because we swear too much and the songs are too scary for you. Although yeah, I could see a kid liking put the this
1: song. we the explicit lyrics, the explicit advisory
0: on it, but I guess that doesn't really make it any better. I can imagine a bunch of kids going, so shit. Imagine being like, you used to teach uh, uh, really young kids in Taiwan, right? You could have yeah. got them to go, so Imagine hearing kids say, it would be so adorable. Uh, this is to hear them say social and product. So they'd be having fun with it. It, it wouldn't yeah. sound scary though, but uh it would still sound adorable. But, anyways, let's get back to uh then of course we've done the last or the first two lines of the third verse. And then before you start to criticize me, take a look and you will see CCC, see, 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 as you pointed out, a great line. And then back to the chorus there. So, uh, what else should we be talking about musically? Because there's obviously more to do. But uh, we've got that third verse, the chorus. They do the social end product. Well, the One thing I want to say is there. I think
1: there's a royallette in this chorus where he goes like, society. He says oh, it in a right. different
0: way. And yeah. I, that's a royallette to me. Yeah, you're right. Because you know what? It's true. It's just a little bit of variety to make the um, possible monotony of pure anger. So mm. he's wise enough instinctive enough the singer to go well you know what social end product of society it gives it a little bit different It's also not angry but it still has a punkness to it. it still has something that makes you think he's being cheeky he's still sassing the older people although he doesn't call them out specifically he's calling out society not older people but just people that follow the master plan so he's probably talking about other you know kids of his age who are just you know conforming so and I think uh, that there's hand claps that appear here as well,
1: unless they've been earlier in too, but there's definitely hand claps and they, they could yeah. even be considered almost sad sack hand claps. Cause it sounds like just one or maybe two max people.
0: Yeah. Well, someone who's just kind of not getting it on beat or something and just, Oh, uh, and then they leave it in, but it sounds you're right. I didn't notice it actually, but this, when you were starting to do the hand claps, when we were playing it back, I went, ah, I think there is. And of course the other thing about it is there's a rave up outro, which is great. Great. I mean, it it almost could have done it a little more, a little bit more rave. up. But the kind of – is it halftime or false halftime or or fast double time? It's like
1: faux faux double time because it's not actually an increase in tempo. It just makes you – it just makes the listener feel like that. Yeah. It's like the tempo is not going up
0: to like up from 120 to 240 or something. You're right, yeah. But it's just – it's another sign of them listening to, uh, you know, the music of the day, the Yardbirds, who are the kings of the rave up. And, and we, we love a good rave up. And to me, the this
1: social end product they do here where there's more shouts in the background of this one and like the, oh, right. And ah! mm, you're right. Like, yeah. That's where I see that as a snake charmer because they're really building that up. They're going like social end product, building up social end product.
0: And we got to give it back to the guitars here because they're doing that clanging, that kind of strummed ground there. But also, we were talking about when we were playing it back, whatever part now, with those little guitar, those little fuzz farts that just come out that they just sound so rude. Yeah, we so, love fuzz fart. A fuzz fart. We love a rave up. We love it all. There's just lots going on in this song. And we think, you know, if you're a garager that's known this song for years, you never get tired of it. And if you Mm. don't know it, you're going to be excited to have heard this song. But just wait. The next two songs are as good at the very least. We got some of the best songs here. But are we done talking about this? Do we have any final words? No, I feel like we're kind of ending at a high here, like Social End Product ends on a high. And I think we've said
1: the, the really, the, the, highlight important things. So I think maybe, and I want to hear another great song, so
0: I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. I want to start hearing some garage again. And so a full song here, the next one we're going to play is the world ain't round. It's square by the savages from 1966. That's right. It's actually a live song. So that's The Savages from Bermuda. <laughs> Bermuda is an island, right? I actually should look up Bermuda. It's in the Caribbean. Um, I don't know much about Bermuda except for growing up as a kid. There was all this talk about the Bermuda Triangle. And, I, you know, as kids are, you're like, whoa. All I know is it's the first place in the chorus of Kokomo. Bermuda, Bahama. Uh-huh.
2: Come on, pretty, pretty mama.
0: mama. Key Largo, Montego, baby, why don't we go? I, I was going to keep going, but. Uh, well, no, I've I waiting for the more. <laughs> I just couldn't remember the next line. Uh, that, that's, by the way.
1: Down to Kokomo. We'll get there fast and then we'll take it slow. Get slow. That's,
0: that's where we, we want to go. Speaking we of those go. Garage Rock Potas songs. Kokomo. <laughs> we should add it. Let's not add it to the songs we might play during the uh, Bo Diddley Awards. Be Let's a good not. song to Wang Wang Dog sometime in the future. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, so these guys are from Bermuda. Uh, and um, I, I was reading about a little bit about uh, that. They they say something about well, our parents weren't uh, – because you think Bermuda and you think about th- this is a band of white kids. I, I, just, I just think if you're living in the Caribbean, then you must be rich. But I guess actually no. Two of the uh, kids, their dads were sea captains. One of them owned a supermarket, and I can't remember what the other guy's dad was. At any rate, the members of the band are Paul Muggleton on vocals and guitar, Jimmy O'Connor on guitar, Bobby Zulil on bass and vocals, and Howie Rigo on drums. Now, this song was written by the bassist and the drummer. So, this song is written by the rhythm section. I can't tell you a song... That I that we've talked about that actually was written by the bassist and the drummer. Can you think of another one? Unless a song written by Sting, but we've never talked about any of those songs for sure. No, and we never will. <laughs> we have complained about Sting recently, but anyways. Yeah. So this was recorded live at some place called the Hub, which was part of something called the Princess Hotel. Did you read uh, some of the information on the Savages and how they broke up? There's a really strange no story uh while in new york i got this from from garage hangover
1: wait yeah yeah i want you i want you to tell the story i just was it was so notable i'm like why didn't i remember that when you said it but
0: yeah okay yeah sorry tell the story while in new york someone in the band i'm reading this from the text of uh, garage hangover while in new york someone in the band made an insulting remark in harlem which caused an irreparable rift in the band then there's a further statement that i'm paraphrasing yeah yeah sorry you go ahead you're probably oh yeah that that uh paul muggleton said that someone said something that almost got us killed and said something about some of the band members were at fault. So that also then makes it sound like, well, it sounds problematic as we say now, right? Mm-hmm. Like what so that mention of Harlem makes me go, huh, that's uh, that I hope it isn't what I'm thinking. I hope it's an insulting remark you made uh, to one of your fellow members.
1: What, what I would say to the savages <laughs> is you're better off giving more information with that story than giving yeah. less. Like, I mean Even if the information, like I would just say, don't let our imaginations
0: run wild with that story. Uh, Yeah, especially for a song now, the lyrics being about you know railing against injustice, um, and your band being called the Savages, I just think, well, we better be careful here, guys. So, um, really curious about that story. But I thought, hey, we're journalists in a way. You got the truth must be told. We couldn't, uh, you know, we couldn't keep the lid on that story there. So we have to let you know about that. But who
1: knows what's behind that. Yeah, I would say if they did express any racism, it sounds like they learned some kind of a lesson. I'm not saying that's how people should learn these kind of lessons, but
0: yeah. I'm not sure what I'm saying. What <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it's, just a, it's just a strange, strange thing. Uh, but it does mean that they were touring uh, from Bermuda, going to New York, but the band broke up apparently because of this incident. So uh, I don't think there's much else to say about the savages themselves. We want to talk about the song, so let's start talking about it. I've got the lyrics, but i got to actually put up my uh, – you know, lyrics here. Okay. I'm ready. Here's but what I see. You. Here's
1: what I see is the highlights. Number one, uh, or these aren't, these aren't actually in order because number mm-hmm. one really should be the unforgettable chorus. The chorus is amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. About one of the best choruses of all time. And the way it's delivered is incredible. Yeah. Uh, highlight number two, weird out of tune guitar. Yeah. I don't know what the hell this guitar is doing. I don't even know for sure. It's out of tune the Around the time of grunge, when Nirvana got big with "Smells Like Teen Spirit," people seemed really shocked and offended that you couldn't understand the words. But I would say that this is even more shocking and offensive because not only can you not understand the words, you can understand the chords. At least in Nirvana, you could understand the chords. This is like I don't know what they're playing here. I don't know if they're playing like it's like one chord, but is it even a chord? So that that sort of gets to my highlight number three which is something that in garage I don't know how to describe and it's mm. it's sort of like an impressive performance but it's like a virtuosic ineptitude because mm. it's it's ineptitude but in a way that that draws you in the way that a great performance does. It's like a great
0: performance of ineptitude. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Because we've talked about songs in in this – in the past on the podcast about songs that have that – that are so great because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say Absolutely. about the – yeah, well, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um the ineptitude in this song – you know what? It's weird that I actually have never listened to a single other Savages song because this is from an album called Live and Wild where they're actually recording it live at the hub in the Princess Hotel. And wild? And uh, live mm, wild, wild oh. <laughs> Yeah, live mm, wild And um, they do mention that – because they knew they were being recorded, they played all the songs faster and they were really nervous. And I also think it's probably out of tune because they've been bashing away at their instruments and so for yeah. this song. But it, if you heard this guitar in any other way, it wouldn't have the power because that guitar, that out it's, of tune sounding thing, guitar amazing. is so great. It's you can't so stop listening.
1: Like, so this is what I figure. Sorry, I don't actually have a... So... I think, sorry, I had to grab guitar because I didn't have a guitar out for this episode, but um, I think what they might be playing is it's meant to be an E minor, uh, but they're actually like a a half, like a semitone down, a half step down. And if that, because it's just one chord in the verse, like, and they're singing like, baby, take a look around. All people do is put us down, except that it doesn't sound like, like I was saying. It doesn't sound like any chord. It sounds, and then it almost sounds like they change chords, which is impossible. But then the, but it's the less chords you have in a song, the more powerful it is when you change chords. This is like mm. a, a personal rule of mine. So when they finally get to the chorus, which is, baby, the world ain't rounded square. It sounds incredible. And the way they deliver that line is incredible, but. One thing that could have inspired this kind of protest song could have been something like a Masters of War by Bob Dylan.
0: Mm, because, there's something Dylan-y here, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Masters of War, is, is I, there probably is chord changes, but all I remember is an E minor. It's like, come you masters of war, who fire all your guns. So something Dylan-y. <laughs> you
0: know what would be better about that? Come all you masters of war, who fire your guns. <laughs> Something Dylan, me, Dylan, do that. That's much. More, and if you could detune the guitar a little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it sounds like they just thrashed the hell out of the guitar. That's the way I would. I'm hoping it sounds like that, um, and that they wish they had actually tuned it. But it sounds so great. It sounds. I said clangy and doomy. Is the yeah. way it's a doomy sounding guitar chord here, and uh, cacophonous is another word. It's cacophony. It's that clangingness. and then the drum opening, of course, you, boom, bing, bada, boom, bada, boom, bada, boom, bing, bada, boom, boom, yeah, and then clang, 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 clang. It's just hitting your ears uh, and going. You either love it or hate it. If you're square, you hate it. If you're not a square. You love it. And that's one of the other things. This is the greatest title of a garage rock song ever, possibly. Yes. The World Ain't Round Square. And the group. And the group name, too. By the the Savages. And then you put it on,
1: and you're like, oh, this is the Savages.
0: You're like, The World Ain't Round Square by the Savages? Oh, I sure hope this is going to be as great as it sounds. Oh, yeah, it is. It's perfect. It's amazing. (laughs) We're imagining them strumming a guitar that's hung around
1: their neck with a guitar strap. But listen to the song. This guitar could be sitting on the floor and
0: they're hitting it with a shoe (laughs) or a crowbar you really don't know at all it could be anything yeah you're right it's it's auto destruction again the who coming up again is like Mm -hmm. the the spirit of the who is is in these songs um yeah there's there's uh also i mean so we've got that baby it took a look around all people do is put us down they stare at us like we don't belong they think they're right but they're all wrong. And so that's... Let
1: me ask you, where did you get the lyrics
0: from for this song? I listened to them and I don't have um the third verse i have no idea it's part where you go your feelings that that's (laughs) my other point that makes this song amazing
1: is the completely incoherent bridge is that a great song should have a bridge like that where you just go (laughs) and that's like congealing and you're like i don't know what the hell you just said yeah that's all you would do with this did you
0: hear the cover of this uh, I know that there's one done by a woman Constance uh, Walter Yeah and, and she has some lyrics but they're yeah, they're, they're clearly, not the same they're not they're the not same, same no no okay. um but they were they're helpful and I like that she uh, she obviously changed the lyrics I think I think partly she, she might have been thinking this is what I think they're singing but also um probably uh, going well you know what this works. cuz she says something about meet us in the stars or something join us in the stars and there's no way they sing that yeah. but um <laughs> you know um but so, yeah, that's the first verse. Uh, I'm. What Did you have something similar to – because I yeah, don't think there's anything – Yeah, basically
1: what you said.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, we've got to give it to that chorus because they only say it once. They don't say the chorus line four times. They just get because baby, the world ain't – and the way you hear, especially the lead singer there, the way he sings round, it's – wow.
1: Square. It's both round wow. and
0: square. He says both
1: and, incredibly. Yeah. It, it's pretty much the best you could sing any – the the words are the best garage rock line it could possibly be with the best chords they could possibly be sung in the best way it
0: could possibly be sung. And the other thing is, is that you could almost think as a, even as a garage fan, you go, well, the song called World It Round at Square is a cool title. But it can't have, you, you again, you might just be thinking, I'm, I'm thinking of this as a garage rocker who maybe encounters it. The first time you see it, your instinct is, because you know garage rock, that this is going to be pretty cool. I can tell from the title, I can tell from the band name, and the fact that these guys are from Bermuda, this is going to be what we call sui generis, Latin for you know unique, something one of a kind. This is going to be interesting. But you know what, is it really going to be... A powerful protest song, yes, because he goes, "Cause baby, the world ain't right." There's no doubt that there's authenticity in just the way it's a garage way of singing it, and it means something. You hear it, and you don't doubt it. You go, "That kid is is feeling it." There's 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 real emotion. There's it's it could be anger, it could be just despair, whatever it is, but it sounds so good. It's so convincing. And I'll say this about this incident in Harlem as well, is one thing that
1: you get the sense of from these guys is they might be the type of group that likes to tweak people's nerves. Because mm. that's what they're doing here to the squares, right? And they're probably not mm. tweaking anyone's nerves here because everyone in the audience is probably their, their, their people. But mm. um, but they're the kind of group that would go out and they'd be comfortable like being like, yeah, we don't mind starting a little bit of trouble. But then on that situation, they seem to have started, they, they you know, like anyone, they don't really want to start real trouble. They're expecting that nothing will happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Think about it because, um, again, I'm thinking of the Velvet Underground because they go up to Lexington 125. I think that's Harlem. Right, right. So uh, so when uh, white kids go to Harlem, they're either looking for drugs or maybe they're looking for trouble. I'm not really sure. Not to say, okay, by the oh, way, lost. Harlem Harlem is a cultural center of black America. So it's also full of poets and artists and people, lots of culture. I don't want to make it sound like it's a drug. Ad- you know, Lou Reed and his drug fix could only be found there. But, um, you know it's just interesting that that comes into the story especially for this song so I mean it kind of casts a little bit of a shadow on the song it's too bad but let's just keep talking about like again once we hear him sing that chorus we go wow and then yeah this the, song the, with yeah the way that the the recording seems to
1: get like break up when when they say the word it's square it's just or the the what whether it's the speaker The PA speaker breaking up. I wonder how they recorded this because, like you said, it was recorded live. Yeah. This the single that we're looking at on our screen is from Dwayne Records, and I wish that we lived in a world where Dwayne Records was just like (laughs) the guy who had a tape recorder in the audience. His name was Dwayne. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And anyone who had the tape recorder, he'd be like, "Well, Dwayne Records." I I had a tape recorder there at that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Everyone, you know, we get too creative with like record labels and things like that. Or if you're trying to have a publishing company, just call it your name. Yeah. Your First name, Eric Weldon, records. Weldon, Eric records, records. Weldon mm-hmm. records. Yeah. You know, that's it. You can give your band name a little bit of something, something, but you don't have to get too creative with the, the label names. Um, so I wonder if we're going to have a lot to say musically, but one thing I was going to say is forget about Barry Maguire. Remember, uh, that supposedly well, even pe- destruction. Some yeah. people would think that that's the song we should have picked. No way. That song is square. No way, man. man. I've never liked that song. It's just, an. Uh, that, I mean, he's got the gravelly voice, and, but it just, it's it screams to me of manufactured. Well, you know what? We got to write a song about the kids in their protests. I don't really feel the, uh, the sincerity in that. But in this one, I feel like teenagers are angry about the world, just like the last one. Notice the real connection here about the, the rightness and wrongness right like they think they're right but they're all wrong and we had that in the last song but almost basically a paraphrase of that idea the world around me that's gone all wrong so these guys could tour with the blue stars can you imagine that savages and blue stars
1: can imagine i am imagining it right now yeah
0: yeah it would be amazing even though again i haven't heard any other uh savages songs and to tell you the truth i don't think i've heard any other blue stars songs (laughs) but i just want them to play the those songs that you play that one song and you play that one. They can do what they want, right? I'm not going to say no to the Blue Stars and the Savages. But, hey, there's uh, never been – a,
1: or I've never seen a band that just played one song over and over. This is something a band needs to do, like to go see a show and the band just plays the same song like eight times and their set's over.
0: Well, we're thinking about the legendary Louie Louie concert where the Kingsmen played – either it, they just right. kept playing Louie Louie or they played a one or something – one or one and a half hour version of it. Someone recently – this thing where, and I i did come off like a little bit of a know it all, but I was out drinking with some co workers, and uh, they're good people, they like music, they don't really like uh the same stuff as I do, but they're you know, I, I respect them. And they uh, one of them asked the question, if you could go back in time to see any concert, and I said, Oh, I'd want to go back to the concert at I think it's at um, oh, I can't remember when that club was named, it was something like the Peepo Club or something in Oregon where the Kingsman would have played Louie Louis for an hour. And I was met with stony silence at first. And then a attempt to be, Oh yeah, cool. (laughs) You know, where, uh, yeah, that that came off like an answer for, you know, I've got a really, and you know, a lot of people don't know this, a real record collector answer. You're right though. I can't imagine anything like cooler than that. Like being in a certain moment. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think someone said something about the who at Woodstock and I was like, I didn't actually do that. But I would, in my mind, I was like, Sure, fine, but I mean, for me, I know that I would want to go back. I want to go back to the the this club, uh, the the hub, and just see them do this song. And then if they start playing another song and it doesn't sound as awesome, I'm out of there. I just want to hear them do the world ain't round at square. And then I would try to get myself on by at the end going woo, just so I knew that that was me.
2: Why I wouldn't would you want to, ruin to go the song. back
1: to a show that there's video and audio of too? It's like well, good you point. Could, you just watch the video and audio. I'm not saying it's the same, but. There are other shows that there's no record
0: of that, that also, go see. The Who came
1: on at 5 a.m. No, you know who I would go see? <laughs> Sorry, I had to interrupt you here. Yeah, yeah go for it. Who was, who was the guy who we did the song? It was a Halloween episode that no one listened to. Oh, Robbie the Werewolf. Robbie the, Werewolf. Robbie yeah. the Werewolf. That's where yeah. I would go back. I'd go oh, back yeah. and see Robbie the Werewolf. What was the name of that song? I can't remember. It's That's, great. Next time this conversation comes up with your coworkers, you've got to say Robbie the Bobby Werewolf. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Robbie the Werewolf. If you don't know – or as people say now, if you know, you know. I-Y-K-Y-K. If you know, <laughs> you know. So uh, there you go. I think it actually comes from uh, Biggie Smalls or something like that. any rate um, – It could be from Robbie the Werewolf. He may have, <laughs> he could have been from Robbie the Werewolf. Oh, man. Uh, we're never going to do a Halloween episode again, by the way. We're, we're a little bit uh, miffed at our listeners and pastors. Yeah, you guys yeah, don't true. actually like our Halloween episodes, so we're not doing them anymore. Because what? Well, maybe it's just because I made an assumption that I talked about this already. Halloween uh, episodes, uh, garage rockers love Halloween, and you and I aren't really that big on Halloween. So they can sense our faking it, probably. Although uh, we came up with right. some great songs. We came up with some great songs. Yeah. At any rate, we're mad. We're protesting. We're protesting that you know, that's the case, but we'd actually don't want to go back and do that again. Um, So (laughs) what else do I have here? Okay. I've got lots here. Is that, yeah, keep going. It's just that the chorus is just sung once and it's sung in that full throated, passionate screaming is really great It lifts you out of your chair you're yeah. like if you're in a chair you shouldn't be in a chair
1: listening to the song no but like i i'm usually in a chair listening to
0: song. yeah, so yeah. Then
1: i actually spend most of my day sitting in a chair i'm in a chair position um until i go to sleep and then i'm like curled up and uh but yeah like when this chorus comes in baby the world ain't round, and it is freaking fucking powerful yeah and it like lifts you up Am I being insane here?
0: Like, no, no, no! It's an amazing chorus. It's the way he sings that line: "Is that you are then sold?" I mean, the, yeah. the, we got to say that the first verse is actually pretty. Like trite they mean lyrics. it. They yeah. mean it. Like baby it, took it a look around. Lyrics, yeah, yeah. But they get better. They get better. We should maybe do the second verse here. They bother us about their clothes we wear. They gripe about the length of our hair. But if they thought back to their own past, I wonder if. They judge us quite as fast. Mm. So a little bit more uh, development of the idea here. It's about they, right? They. um, They're bothering us about the clothes we wear. And this is great garage rock stuff. It's about complaining about how other people complain about you, your clothes, your hair. But if they thought back to their own past. So there's a point being made here, which is our parents' generation and these are boomers, right? Like for sure, the savages, garage rockers are garage rock bands are boomers because uh, these guys were born in the yeah, baby everyone boom. Hates them. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're most of them, many of them, thank God, are still around. But they're. Oh, by the way, I was. Oh, I was going to mention this about another uh, show we might do about one of these guys writing an anti-Trump song, but that's going to come up in another episode. Um, But that's what happens with some of these guys but at this stage they're talking about their parents generation hey weren't you guys also rebelling at times if you thought back to your own past you wouldn't judge us the same you would remember that this happened before you felt this way too and now you're square so um hey let me ask you something like did did you feel this way as a young person
1: and two like if you look back now Were people actually giving you that hard of a time? So it's like a two-part
0: question. A little bit, because one thing is, is when I got into stuff like The Gruesomes, I actually started getting my hair really long. I don't know if it was because of The Gruesomes. I do know that my friend Brad grew his hair long and he looked really cool. He looked like that picture of the Gruesomes where Bobby Beaton from 1986 has got like this amazing, they all have their hair over their eyes. That was a big influence on us, that picture. And we went, man, that that looks so cool. They were in striped shirts. They got long hair over their eyes. They look like, you know, shaggy dogs. Mm -hmm. And then Brad did it and he looked exactly like them. And I did it and I looked like Johnny Ramone because I have (laughs) when I had hair, I had straight hair. So now the listeners know. Weldon doesn't have a full head of hair anymore, but uh, so yeah, I remember.
1: Around its hair,
0: <laughs> its hair. hair. I do remember walking in Red Deer and people riding uh, by in their or driving by in their trucks and stuff, going, "It's the '80s, not the '60s." And by the way, someone recently wrote into us and goes, "When? Are, when?" They're trying to figure out. So when did you guys grow up? Because they're confused by the fact that you, I'm actually about six or seven years older than you. I cannot remember how many years older than I am. So you tend to be more references uh, for the 90s and I'm references of the 80s. Right. You have references to the 80s because you like the music of the 80s.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I didn't grow up during the 80s. Really. But you I didn't know, grow like up during the 90s. 80s. Like I went to a trivia night a couple weeks ago that was like 90s trivia. And in theory, that should be like stuff that I should know at all. Mm. Uh, except that in the 90s That I was this guy going The world ain't round It's square So yeah, but, in a way yeah. I didn't know a lot of stuff Because I was this guy yeah.
0: Representing the world But because I was a uh, 80s garage kid You know I listened to Garage rock And I wanted to get A cool haircut People were literally Complaining and griping About the length of my hair And in a, in a really specific way which is well that was fine for the 60s but now it's the 80s and you're supposed to have your hair teased or you're supposed to have it long in a different way and i thought no those guys look stupid they think i look stupid but i look cool even though i don't look as cool as brad who actually legitimately looks like a rad 60s garage rocker or lou barlow from dinosaur junior when he had like a big thick mop of hair he still got that
1: hair and yeah. you know what? I've never seen a photo of you as a young person. I don't think oh, ever in my life I've seen a photo of you as a dude, young
0: person. I've got some. I just went back to visit my parents yeah. and well, they, she gave me see a – I'm you. I'm coming oh, to see yeah. you in
1: like a month. So let's look at some of these photos if you've got oh, them.
0: Oh, you are going to love them because I look awesome. I and, look amazing. I'm skinny here, too.
1: Here's the funny thing about knowing someone for a long time and knowing them over that time is you don't notice changes in, in their appearance. Really, Like to me, you – are exactly the same as you were you know when you would see somebody they're like you're just the same as you were before and you seem exactly the same to me as you were when i knew you 20 years ago but you've probably changed but because i've known you throughout that time you don't like Mm. notice the changes right but so if i see a picture
0: of you young person i'll be like as a young person or maybe
1: i'll look exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, i was gonna say eric the world has definitely done a number on you in the last 20 years whoa just joking you look i'm all right with that you still look young. By the way, that same those person, are the Those are the scars of experience. I'm like Evil Knievel. <laughs> that's right. But the same person that actually said he was uh, wanting to know about our uh, actual, you know, generations uh, also said, you guys sound really young. And I was like, that's what we want to hear. Thanks for adding that part there. Uh, well, well, I don't think we sound yeah. like people in our 40s and 50s.
1: That's the other thing I say to someone if they go like, oh, you're just the same. I say you're mistaking a fountain of youth for arrested development. Ah. Which is the the actual the actual case here, and not to say that that's not
0: a good thing. Still, that should get a textbook slam. Hold on, just that witticism that you just gave. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! We should do a little more textbook slam. It's fun to textbook slam, even just textbook slam, just slam for the sake of them. it.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. it's
0: like being Pete Townsend and giving a windmill. Um, we definitely got lost. Oh <laughs> <laughs> We were talking about the
1: savages, I think. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, the thing about this is, it's hard to talk about the music because you're like, well, it sounds like clang, 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 clang. Yeah, <laughs> do- the drum is singing.
1: <laughs> so the drum kind of makes it sound like the guitar is doing more than it is. I have like the guitar is
0: honestly just sounds like they're mashing. It's a, it is amazing. But we should talk about now about the middle eight or the bridge at one oh, sixteen. Let's play it. Let's play it because we have no idea you what said, they're saying. One sixteen. I think it's around one sixteen. yeah.
1: Let's give a shout-out once again to uh, Bolt24 Hot Sounds, the YouTube channel, mm. which is where we're listening to this from right now. But always great uh, tunes on Bolt24 Hot Sounds. Oh, yeah. If you're uh, a garager
0: or want to learn more about garage, go there. for Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Okay, I'm going to press play. Was made about it bu-
0: bu- <laughs> He does sound like he's saying congealing. Congealing. The... I've listened to him yeah. sometimes. All he
1: hears is congealing.
0: Yeah. It seems like something like what I've got down is time after time the clock goes round. You're going to have to disguise your feelings. I've got that too. So that, okay. yes. In the next okay. two lines. What we did, no place to judge. Congealing. Congealing. <laughs> so I have no idea, but I do think it might be time after time the clock goes round. You're gonna have to disguise. You. But that doesn't really make any sense. Time after time the clock goes round. You're gonna have to disguise your feelings. What? What's the connection? It doesn't, make it doesn't sense. matter. It doesn't make, It doesn't make sense, and it doesn't matter because but all the that feeling has, the feeling you, you get yeah. listening to it makes sense. Like you're like yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. huh, uh huh. Yeah. And you know that they're actually saying something; like they're they're not actually <laughs> just going. But if but if they aren't, that's fine. Because what it, the one thing about this song is, it's actually kind of secretly a folk punk song, right? With that, that's what bang, I hear too. It, yeah. It's like Masters of War by Bob Dylan. I
1: think it's yeah. a, and that fits into the protest song. We haven't really mentioned that is that the protest song in nineteen six 1906 was nineteen sixty six was coming from the folk rockers that were coming up. That yeah, because until then the source of where rock and roll was coming from was more rock and roll, like the, the Chuck Berries and mm. uh, the Bo Diddleys. And none of that stuff was, for the most part, you know, you could argue it was protest music in its own way, but it was artists like Bob Dylan and then the birds and stuff that were doing this kind of
0: jump. Yeah, yeah. And this sounds very Dylan-y, this, uh, this yes. bridge. yeah <laughs> Yeah. So it's just fun to do it, right? It's yes. That, no matter what he's singing. Like, blah, blah. But you know that because he's trying to get so many words in that it's Dylan-esque and there's no way it isn't somehow inspired by Bob Dylan. So these guys are reaching for something and they're getting there for sure. And
1: it only um, happens here. They don't do this bridge section again later good. in the
0: song. I'm glad because I, I – <laughs> But there's know. a guitar solo. There is
1: a guitar solo coming up.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, because then they do the – after the, the, the bridge, they do the chorus again and then is that where the solo is? Let's listen to the solo. No, there's another
1: verse. Uh, they th- oh. they
0: think a little war is not our problem, or something like that. The the,
1: okay. the verse with the war.
0: Yeah, okay. I have. They think that the war is not yeah, our problem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. People think we'll try to rob them of things they once knew, and now look back. Oh, on. that makes
1: sense. That because that's what they're going to try and
0: rob them of. Okay. That yeah. Makes sense. There's yeah. an interesting sort of uh, sejura cool. there. Yeah, people think we'll try to rob them. Pause of things they once knew, and now look back on and see in disgust that we will live on. What do you, what do they mean by that? Do you think and see in disgust that we will live on? Well, I think we have to remember in the '60s when they talk about the war here, then it must be Vietnam. It's '66. Vietnam is. I think at 66, it's becoming a real reality. And now these kids are from Bermuda, but they must be American citizens or if they're not, I, I don't know the status or, you know, what we should really should have done is more research We're on Bermuda more about Bermuda. <laughs> never Our Bermuda I...
1: listeners are furious
0: right now. <laughs> we don't know. I don't even know the name of a, any city in Bermuda. I don't even know if Bermuda has cities. I just imagine it's just made up of beaches and good looking people and and honestly, steel pan music. Oh, man, I shouldn't have said that. But hey, I'm just thinking of like an island I thought it was an a island souvenir pair. t-shirt shop. Uh... <laughs> oh, the, And of course, the other reference is the, as we mentioned, Kokomo. So you got to watch out for the Beach Boys <laughs> if you're in Bermuda. They're in very, they've already told you where they're known to hang out in that song. So you got to watch out. But uh, especially the Mike Love era Beach Boys, you don't want to run into those guys. So uh yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, then that, we get to this guitar
1: solo because we've been yeah. through. Think a little, womp. Oh, oh no! Because we did the verse after. Dah, bah, dah, bah, dah, bah, dah, bah. So that you we, asked, yeah, you or, asked about yeah. that line, and then I said, yeah, so and Vietnam. disgust that we will live on,
0: but we can't. So when we sometimes maybe uh, undermine or undercut the 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 level of how kids in garage rock songs will often complain about how people judge them for their hairstyle or their way they dress, that it was probably pretty some pretty serious. Uh, Not to the level of, say, you know, being a black citizen in the civil rights era and and now possibly in the U.S., but, you know, to the extent of, you know, when schools were desegregated and the kind of hatred that was being uh, thrown at African-American citizens. Here, think about being a teenager who has long hair, who has dirty clothes, maybe not dirty clothes, but just different clothes. But also this, this feeling of the war that you're you're against um, you're anti-american i think that that is something Mm -hmm. that they were really really feeling these younger kids uh like in the savages and and they're genuinely reacting to that kind of hatred so see and disgust that we will live on but they seem to be doing something which is referencing twice in this song that if you look back to your past you'll see you were once like us And now you'll see that we'll live on just like you do. But what's interesting about that then is that they should take the corollary. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly. Corollary? I'm just going to throw. Oh, oh, I was thinking that I just might not be using it uh, in its right actual meaning. (laughs) Not not necessarily (laughs) pronouncing it, but because I'm just trying to sound smart here, is that they then, when they get old, they become the squares. And also, it sounds like they might have been squares in Harlem. Quite frankly. So we don't know for sure. Right, right. But but, um, but it is interesting that that see and disgust that we'll, we'll live on is that, A, uh, people really do – it's something about how they don't the, – the people, their elders, their parents' generation don't want to look back and understand that they once felt the same. They may have been in the same situation and the world is just sort of keeps going in this
1: square I think- pattern. This isn't what you're asking or saying, but I I think it goes both ways, though, because uh, young young people, they don't really acknowledge that they're just doing the same thing that all young people have done. Nor do old people acknowledge that they're doing the same thing all old people have done, which Mm -hmm. is like for young people complain about old people and for old people complain about young people. And everyone thinks like when I do old guy talk and I go, why are young people doing this? Why are they doing this? I always think I know old people have been doing this. For generations, but my complaints are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. are really valid.
0: But what do you think about this? Because I don't know if this is a, was as common. Because it must have been to some extent. But I notice more now. People in my age range, at least, maybe younger than me, but still, uh, you know, older than you know, they're in their thirties and up. And they're trying to do that thing. It, maybe it's actually sincere, but I never really believe it. That they're trying to, I'm not like that. I think uh, Lil Yachty is so cool. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Yes, that's I do as see that. And I think as, that's
1: worse. I yeah, think that's yeah, worse. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather be the person saying like, what is with these young people and yeah. their clothes? That's if better, I,
0: I think. If I listen to Lil Yachty and like it, I'm keeping it a secret because I don't want the young kids <laughs> to think I'm being trying to be one of them, and I don't want to uh, my people my age. I don't certainly don't want to meet another person. Like, I also love Lil Yachty, and then we have to actually connect on that. I just want to keep it a secret and go. You know what? I actually like the music of the the young kids today, but I'm keeping it a secret because I don't want to deal with the nest of vipers that comes up when you talk about. It. I'd rather just fit into the nice role of it sounds dumb music in my day was nirvana well, but back we, then you couldn't hear the words
1: we never even listened to music because it was new like we did yeah. there there was music that we would like that happened to be new at the time but we always just listened to music we liked and a lot yeah. of the time it was music from before we were ever born i'm not yeah. saying that's that original or unique but so so yeah for for when someone Says that like oh you listen to this old music because you're old. It's like that's not really true because I listen to old the music, old music
0: when then. I was young yeah yeah. And uh, uh, one thing I do remember about listening to music in my not early- I'm down the street and someone goes you listen to old music because you're old. <laughs> well oh, if, you're, if you're if you're if you're blasting some talking heads as you're driving by. By the right. way, I just I just recently, uh yesterday was in East Vancouver. So if you're a Vancouverite, you know that East Vancouver is a kind of different place. I live in West Side Vancouver, although I consider myself a South Vancouverite. Right? That's a whole different topic. I will not go into that. But East Vancouver is known for being kind of uh the the area where people who are more countercultural will live and you know they could have families and be uh people who uh, raise their kids and uh, uh, you know, still skateboard and play punk rock in the house but they've got 10-year-old kids and things like that. Uh, by the way, just recently in my neighborhood, just today I was out on a walk and someone was like, Asher, put your shoes on. I'm not kidding, <laughs> Asher. And I'm like, that's Westside, Vancouver. That's where I live. So I was happy to be in, uh, I was in a uh, commercial drive area. Because People I was who, whose kids have names like
1: Asher, they love saying the names of the kids. If your kid is named like Ted. There's no kids named Ted these days, but could be because of Ted Kaczynski, I'm not sure. But you never if they if your kid's named Ted, you don't always go like Ted 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 Ted. But if your kid's named Asher, you're saying that all the time.
0: Yeah, because those names, right, are like the kind of names that you could only say in disgust. Right. Speaking of actually here. Now we look back on the children and go, oh, your name is Asher. You're, you're really going to have to do something about that at some point. <laughs> you're probably going to end up at the school, St. uh School for Confused Rich Kids, where I teach. Anyways, the story I was going to tell is that I was walking by. I was in a, one of the East Van Parks, Woodland Park. And as I was leaving it, it was a beautiful evening. And I was going to this poetry reading that started at 7 o'clock. I'll talk to you about it after because it was quite entertaining. Hmm. Uh, everyone was over the age of 80 that read. And... um so I was one of the youngest people there. But there was these uh, hipsters. They must have been in their 30s or something. I, I don't even know if hipsters. See, this is how old I am. I don't even know if the term is relevant anymore. But Right, the song, that's
1: true. That might not be. Yeah, anyway, go on.
0: Yeah, the song I heard as I walked by these guys, they were drinking. And they were having a discussion of their jobs. And I heard, this must be the place by Talking Heads. And I thought, that's the perfect song. I love that song, oh, and I love song, Talking Man. Heads. But it's the song that defines them. Dude, Is do, do, that do, 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 that song do, where they do, say do, home
1: do, a lot? Home. Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. Do 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 do, do, yeah. do, 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 do. It's it's basically and in, in the to stop anthem. Stop making
1: sense. He's got a lamp. He's doing something with yeah. a lamp.
0: Oh, it's the anthem of thirty-year-old uh, yeah, yeah. people who know everything and think they're really cool. Yeah, somehow. yeah. <laughs> but but my point I, is, I,
1: that's like the song that's in that downsizing movie trailer. I'm sure they're playing it. Oh, in that. yeah. It's supposed to make you sit and be it's reflective a, and, like, It's a wistful. It's a remember. wistful.
0: It's 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 ethnic music for white people, right? Like <laughs> that's that's what I always. Uh, that's what I realize now is that a lot of stuff is actually showing our ethnicity as white people. And I know that white isn't an ethnicity, but let's roll with it a little bit. This could be. I know what
1: you're saying. No, I know (laughs) what you're saying.
0: Just like, you know, Mumford and Sons is is for white people who wish we had more of a singular identity. And then all of a sudden, you know what can be the one authentic thing we do is get out a banjo, put on an old timey hat, and then just go like, oh my, but something or other, right? Oh, something. And you've got a, you've got something there.
1: All the, all this stuff leads to the song that we're doing next. And there's a line in it that says, there's something that you need, but nothing is desired. Ooh, it's a okay. feeling of longing, but there's nothing for it. You don't know what it's for. I, I, and and it ties into some of these emotions.
0: I like what you've done is you've done what uh, a younger person does when they need to help an old person get back on track. <laughs> Is even like, no, I onion
1: on our belts.
0: <laughs> but um, anyways, well, the last thing I'll say is we like that solo. I don't think we have to analyze it. And there's a cool <laughs> ending to this song. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 the first dun, time dun, chords dun, dun, kind dun. of appear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. That's actually good. All of a sudden there's chords in the song at the end. But they give it like a really good – like uh, uh, an ending that caps it off. And then you yes. hear that kind of almost polite clapping, which just seems so strange for a song that was this savage. You're just going, wow. Yeah. You should be – these are songs that make you want to burn cities down. The two songs we've just played should if make you go out – If going to burn b- a city down, this is the song that should be playing, not
1: – like, like not the talking head song. The talking head yeah, song is yeah. you're <laughs> sitting around a campfire at a poetry <laughs> reading
0: talking about your job, you know. Yeah, this exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean this is definitely – one of the videos for this has 1960s riot footage. And it it fits really well because it's got, uh, you know, it's the 60s and it was the uprisings that were going on against the Vietnam War and such. But we've capped it off. Just like they did, we've ended it. So let's go to our last song now. We were only doing three, but you can see that we've been excited. So it's a good thing we only picked three. I actually, at one point, was going to add a fourth, but it wouldn't have really worked out. We're going to play now Where Are You Going to Go by the Unrelated Segments from 1967. Here it is. Unrelated Segments from 1967 with Where You Gonna Go. Um, Let's talk a little bit about this band. They're pretty well known to the garage rock community because they did some other great songs. Story of My Life, Cry Cry Cry. Um, Guys were from the Detroit area, Taylor, Michigan. Um, So they're very well regarded in that 60s scene coming out of Detroit. Bands like The Rationals, The MC5. Unrelated Segments, cool band name. Almost doesn't work, but it does. It it sounds kind of psychedelic, but it's just, just somehow it's a great name. I think I heard that one of the members heard it in a stats
1: class and, oh. and thought it sounded cool and then brought it back to the band and said, We should be called the unrelated segments. But sort of well, he, it sounds that way. It makes sense. He was right. He was right. He yeah. heard it and he went,
0: Yep. Um, so well, the members. It, it makes sense for a social critique as well. And you've got a social critique. Yeah. Here, so. And actually, this band was good for that. Like, Story of my life is also kind of in that vein. These guys were, they were, I would say, top tier their song
1: smoke they're a good band we've got, yeah. um well whatever you think of the savages but like the blue stars and unrelated segments they've made great records here these are good mm. bands and the savages they're they're a good band in the in the past garage
0: rock podcast way you know yeah yeah we we gave them the seal of approval yeah yeah but other people did before too ron Stultz is on vocals rory oh man my handwriting rory Mac, I think, on lead guitar. John Torok. It's just the problem I have with my my A's and my C's look the same. So, And then my, my K's look like H's. I have a lot of... Almost every letter looks like a different letter. So Rory Mac on lead guitar. John Torok on... I have guitar, so he must be rhythm guitar. Barry Vaughn or Barry Van Engelen on bass. And Andy Angelodi on drums. Sorry, guys, if I got anything wrong there. Um, as I, I've kind of already talked about who they are. Let's just talk about the song. Okay, there's a f- like I did with the other couple songs, a couple elements that make this song
1: unforgettable. Number one, great lead vocal. That's got to be the, mm. the number one thing you mentioned in this song. The, the, the lead vocal is unbelievable. Um, n- number two, killer chord riff. So Social End Product has that uh, has that great fuzz riff. But this one, well, there's a few great riffs in this song, but just the chords that... John, jan 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 John. John, John, John. I actually did it wrong the first time. The second time was right. Okay. Uh, number three, background vocals. Do-do, 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 do-do. Yep. Amazing. Number four, intelligent lyrics. These lyrics are intelligent, uh, which I guess you could have got from the way I said it the first time. Number five, power. <laughs> this song has power. Redundancies is what I'm all about today. <laughs> number six, Bizarre Britishy Bridge section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's that's sort of what Mersey i thought, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the hell's going on? So maybe we should um so so the song starts out with this intro.
0: You almost, you have to hear this thing. Yeah, hear it again. Too? Yeah. yeah. It's really the weird. Intro, the right. first time I heard it, I've only actually heard it for the first time recently in the last year or so, so play it. Hey! So that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I ha- the word i have for is herky jerky guitar riff
1: herky jerky and with loads of vibrato on the mm-hmm. riff um it doesn't sound out of tune the way the savages song does but they're they're adding vibrato somehow so and and it seems to be what, manual vibrato meaning not done with like the a vibrato switch on an amp or something and so it's either someone playing multiple notes on a guitar and moving them moving the strings with their fingers but I think it is it is that, but I think it's two guitars, actually. This is my theory Ah, it, okay. is that that's two guitar players, because it sounds to me later in the song like there's more than one guitar. And right at the beginning here, there's going to be two guitars, one doing two notes and one doing another single note and creating this really weird sound. And then a bass comes in, and the bass sounds like the the electric jug that's in 13th floor Is elevators. that what that,
0: that do 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 yes, do, do, do it's got to be the
1: bass. That's all I can okay. figure but does it yeah, okay. sound like thirteen floor elevators when they do? Yeah. They have like an electric
0: jug. Yeah, I was listening to I've got levitation and thinking like yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, right. That's kind of the similar similarity there. So, um, yeah, it's, it it sounds weird too. And then there's that scrape.
2: Yeah, yeah, the velcro
0: like that weird velcro sound. Who knows what that is? There's three weird sounds at the in the first six seconds of the song.
1: That's why this should be a hit. Because there's yeah. so many sounds
0: that you're like, what's that? What's yeah. that? What's, going what's I've on? never heard
1: anything like that. And even in 2023, you're like, never heard anything like that. Never heard anything like that. No,
0: it's uh, I haven't heard guitars sound like this. That uh, the herky jerky guitar riff, and then that the the kind yeah. of faux jug, and then the scrape. Which and then, yeah, at least the scrape is kind hey, of go. Yeah.
1: And to have the most amazing go that's ever been said in any song in a song called "Where You Gonna Go." is cool too, because you're going, Go. And the song's title and chorus is where you gonna
0: go. hmm
1: So he's saying go, but then he's like, Where you gonna go?
0: Yeah, and it's so right off as you point out, the vocals and the lyrics are gonna take you somewhere. Uh it's nice because the Savages, we even though we like that song and we we like the lyrics, uh they're maybe a bit lower on the chain of uh or the tier of protest lyrics. This one might be in our top tier. Of I, uh, yeah, let's see when we go through it, but anyways, we'll, we'll, but that, yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about it. But yeah, we've got some, some super weird sounds. And then even as the songs, uh, as goes on, even the drummer does a lot of cymbal crashes.
1: Yes. To punctuate,
0: which is kind yeah. of funny. And then he Everybody does these roles. plays drum- a
1: really good role. Yeah, everyone yeah. in the band is like doing, doing something important. Yeah. So let's start talking about the,
0: the, the what, lyrics. Then. Oh, what,
1: one what, more thing I want to say in terms oh. of the social critique of the band. Mm-hmm. because this song is clearly social critique and the band changed their name to unrelated segments. I don't know if they were conscious of this, but um, the acronym of unrelated segments is U S.
0: Oh, that's why they called themselves the U S after that was a name they went with before the end.
1: Yeah. So to say that instead of United nations to say Ooh, unrelated segments,
0: Oh, nice.
1: Well, like a, a flipping flipping over of that. Right.
0: Yeah. These guys are deep man yeah yeah I mean, that's what sure. i'm getting at
1: yeah i like You're it i like, like smart it. dudes yeah uh okay so we got our intro we got that weird vibrato stuff that crazy bass hey go and then do you want to read out
0: the lyrics do you have the lyrics by the way oh yeah i got them written down, wake did, you up in write the... them
1: down? did you get them from that comment in the oh
0: i got them from that comment yeah, yeah me. <laughs> someone wrote them down and i was like that's yeah. i think that's right so wake up in the morning on a day doo-doo, in june <laughs> <laughs> sunny skies you really want you get a hazy gloom your clothes are getting dingy looking regular each day but still you try to kid yourself until so you get away so yeah there's lots of uh, it's packing it it's kind of dylan-esque in a way wake up in the morning on a day and the way he says june and, is cool i've got to say I, i'm just gonna say this that
1: this song is resonating with me. Like I'm hearing these lyrics and it's summer here. And I'm like, it's he's singing things like, your clothes are getting dingy, looking raggy. or saying, I'm like, my clothes are getting dingy. <laughs> like, I'm wearing this old Sonics shirt that I bought at a Sonics show like many years ago. In, in like, 1966, yes, yes. <laughs> no, it was just like 20, 2017 or
0: something. <laughs> they, I don't think they were making t-shirts in 20, or sorry, Good 1966.
1: Point. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have a merch at that time, possibly.
0: But also, uh, here in Western Canada, we have the forest fire smoke, so sunny skies you really want, you get a Yes! Yeah. yeah! Like,
1: these, these lyrics are just like, I'm hearing them, and I'm like, yes, yes, especially because it's delivered.
0: Oh, I just spilled this. Oh, yeah, this guy. It's delivered
1: Ron, with such authority.
0: Ron Stultz, in all of his songs, because I remember Story of My Life, is he's got this weird way of singing, like,
1: Yes, let me tell you about the story of my life.
0: Story of My Life sounds quite different, the lyric, the vocal, sorry.
1: Um, yeah. This one is like Mick Jagger crosses Joey Ramone. Like you took like Joey Ramone and Mick Jagger, and they had a baby. I know
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be the uh, ugliest but, baby, yeah, forgot that baby. Also, one. thinking Ugly. of them having sexes, well, maybe some people would be into so, that. I don't want to kink shame anyone, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, maybe that's actually uh, kind of arousing. But yeah, speaking of art, we should <laughs> put on our walls. So that's something we were just talking about a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm glad you mentioned it because people would be like. Wait, weren't talking about that. Oh yeah, off pod. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we we talk in songs. between too and we talk just as much in between. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like we're just st- staring at each other in stony silence for a while. <laughs> um anyways, uh yeah, so you're right. That that's what they often say about great art and great lyrics is that it's as relevant today as it was when it was written. And so we we've got that going on here. You're resonating with the song. And like when I first heard it uh recently, I was the sounds drew me in and then the lyrics I was like they just they stay solid. There's no weakness here. There's no predictability as far as I can see. And so you're just like, wow, this is a really original song. Played, it sounds original. The sounds in it original. The lyrics are interesting. And man, this band is good. So you got that first verse, and you've got those. Is it? Did they start doing the doo doo-doo, do 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 already in the first verse? I
1: can't remember, but I definitely mark it down as as um. From the verse
0: that's working for a man you hate because there's a lift off mm. there. We I talk think about I, a
1: lift off something. I
0: think it does start in the second verse. So let's talk about that. Like, I guess we can talk about the chorus. Mm. But because- yeah.
1: Well, one thing I want to mention about the chorus is the the verses. Mm-hmm. Wake up in the morning on a day in June. Those lines, and this happens in a lot of songs. And I want to point this out because I'm trying to figure out why the song is so effective. Mm. And if you do the count like the one, two, three, four, dunna, dun, three, four, one, two, three, four, does four, one, two, three, four. Wake up in the morning, one, two, three, four. On a day in June, one, two, three, four. Sunny skies. The point here being, when you get to the one, two, three, four, one, two, where you're gonna, one, two, three, four, one, two, where uh-huh. you're gonna stay. So they put go, stay, self, away. They put mm. that on the one, so they switch it so okay. the, the other lines in the verse the line starts on the downbeat mm-hmm. but in the chorus the punctual the punctuation of the line lands on the one on the downbeat and that's why the song is so powerful that's why the
0: chorus uh-huh. is so okay i like that yeah so in that chorus where are you gonna go where are you gonna yeah. say rhetorical question but the, the way he says Oh, it's Chad, kill yourself the way he yeah. says that so punk so 60s garage it's so good it's it's up there with ron stoltz man he can sing i was seeing, this live, to
1: seeing them oh. do this live oh my it must must have been so good yeah and, and then you, then, you oh. see that in the comments in the comments of the video there's some people are like i saw these guys live and whoa
0: oh yeah then you could find out what they were doing Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I for sure look at the guitar players and be like, what
2: are they doing?
0: Yeah, we want to go back in time. We, that's what you should reply to that comment. What was going on with the ding, 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 ding? What were they doing? Oh, I don't remember. No! Just like when I asked my dad, and he went to, he tells the story about going out uh, hitchhiking with Johnny Angel. He had a friend named Johnny Angel, which is amazing. And they went to hitchhike to go see Ronnie Hawkins and the Hawks that's the band that became the band right yeah and uh, and he tells me the story and I'm like what a cool story so how was the show oh I don't remember <laughs> like, no did they do Bo Diddley oh, I don't remember and I now that I think about it, how could he remember because if you ask me hey I went to see Shonen Knife in 1996 and oh it was one of the best shows I ever saw what did they play A bunch of good songs I don't know it was really good but I don't remember anything specific about it except for just going, whoa, this uh, this show is so good. And I also remember they came in from uh, the audience, from outside, and then they came through us to get on stage. And they had their instruments with them. And they were – I think cause if I remember, they were already singing and we were already ready to freak out because they did that. They're so smart. So uh, anyways, uh, seeing shows can make you blow your mind, but you don't remember any details of them. But- Most great stories. Storytellers must be liars because that's the case most of the time, right?
1: That, that you, yeah, like we, we talk sometimes about how we saw the band Metallica, not oh, the yeah. band Metallica, but the band that was in, in Edmonton that called themselves Metallica and later got sued by the well-known band Metallica for calling themselves Metallica or not sued, but got ceased. A, a they got to cease and desist. Yeah. Uh, And, and yeah, so that was like maybe the greatest show we've ever seen. But if you asked us to, to recall many specific things from the show. We'd have a few, but
0: yeah. Also, recently, one of our pasternots, in Kuipers, who lives in Victoria now, but uh, uh, is in a band called uh, Line Traps and Cromdam. Um, and uh, I won't get into the real details of how we met each other on Facebook, and I was excited that he knew some information about a very legendary Calgary band called The Leaders. Yeah, what and I you thought say
1: dick pics were exchanged.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, well, yeah. I mean, every every correspondence must have that, and. Um, <laughs> I he said he remembers meeting us at that show and I'm like what? That's uh, Wild that's that's totally wild, wild because uh, uh, because he knew one of the Drastics who I knew there. So at any rate, um, he he remembers that show Dan Electro and he, band is it no Bell- no that's the Drastic mm-hmm. so it was Edmonton's greatest garage rock band since the 60s anyways and um, he he remembers that show and goes ah, they were okay Metallica and we're like oh, I remember it then now that I think about it I'm like maybe they were just kind of standard rock but the show they, were they put okay? on. Yeah, yeah, he he was kind of uh, a little I bit. Disag-
1: like, I disagree. I think it was uh, some, something I don't, special. I don't in know. In terms if he's, of just wildness,
0: I don't know if he stuck around for the whole show where we yeah. all ended up on stage and the band ended up in the audience. But anyways, um, the other thing about the chorus that we have to say is always try to tell yourself, "Let's get away." You won't. Oh little, yeah, 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 that, yeah. yeah, you won't. is so great.
1: So and stuff like so that. Snotty. Some people might think that's not a big deal, but to change your level of emotional delivery like that, like to go from when you're shouting out, like "Where are you are gonna go? Where are you are gonna stay?" like that's shouting, yeah, or, or or else impersonating shouting through singing, which is even more impressive. But then to do then to drop it down to
0: go and, and then you have to move up close to the mic and go, "You won't, you won't." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And he doesn't do it again, which is great because it's 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 smart because. You almost kind of wait for him to do it again, but he doesn't. It's just that one time. That's what makes it more devastating. It's talking to someone about how you're not going to change your life. You say you're going to, but you're not going to. It's -hmm. this real pessimism that's going on here in this song, but it really has a real link to the other songs. But this one seems to be approaching it from a different angle. It isn't just a direct – well, I guess it is direct, but – uh, it seems to be talking about it from your perspective, the perspective of the square in a way. You know why? Why? Because the Blue Stars are from New Zealand.
1: Savages are from Bermuda. Mm. Unrelated segments are from Detroit. The secret of America is that nowhere are you more entrenched in your position. So mm-hmm. this is the thing. When, when you see a company ad that says like our customer service is better than ever, that means they've just laid off 50% of their staff and the customer <laughs> service is worse than it's ever been. And what they did to, to cover the 50% layoff was they hired three new marketers and the <laughs> yeah. marketers said, well, let's talk about how great our customer service is. And, and so this is the thing in America, you, you always, they're saying, Uh, how much you can go up rags to riches. But what they're saying is it's impossible. You've got nowhere to go. Where are you going to stay? Don't kid yourself. You are where you are, and that's all you've got.
0: I I gave a pause before I did. I wanted a dramatic pause for the astronauts to think, why is there this dead air? It's because I had, for the last (laughs) 10 seconds of Eric's rant, those books ready. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I like, them.
1: I saw them hanging there, and I was excited. So I was like, I think I may have three textbooks in this episode.
0: Maybe the most textbooks per uh, for one episode, possibly. We'll, we'll have to have someone else count that for us. But I think that's an astute observation. I like that. It's, it, there is something interesting about where these bands are from is that we had New Zealand, we had Bermuda, but these guys are from the assembly line of America, yeah. right, at the time. And at, at a particular time, too, where it's probably starting to decline because Detroit is the famous place of urban decay right and uh you know uh moving things offshore moving things to foreign countries and and the destruction and the, and the havoc it wreaks on communities and the, how it makes profits for other people the the ones in power but he's talking about on a, a, a here a kind of a more everyday thing to the citizen who's kidding themselves that they're going to get somewhere in this life um which we really get in this second verse should we move to the second verse or we still have some some musical elements to, to punctuate, to promote. No.
1: Let's go okay. Cause I think the thing, let's assume that in the second verse that we get the, the background vocals coming in the do 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 Yeah. Are sung in harmony, which is amazing. Yeah. And the harmony is great. So they're all, not only is the lead singer a great lead singer, but the, the background singers seem to also be good singers. And I think that the bass finally hits like the, the root note sort of in the second verse. Cause there's that real lift off happens somehow. And I think yeah. it's like the bass goes to do 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 do. So He's not doing any more of that, like, do good do that jug uh, electric. You
0: know, yeah, that's interesting, because one thing about uh, the Detroit garage bands is that they're all living in the same city, basically, as uh, well, they're living. They're, these guys are from Taylor, Michigan, but they, you know, in the Detroit area. And they're in the same city as Motown. And Motown right. is all about this kind of rhythm. So these guys are hearing that, and it's they're just Detroit, too. So that you hear something going on. And, of course, Motown is even about the assembly line it's about do you ever notice that when you watch um, uh, yesterday's papers uh, and they talk uh, they always if uh, many of our listeners must know about yesterday's papers the YouTube channel that often just plays uh, videos that takes music papers from the 1960s in England and does things like get Eric Burden of the animals or John Lennon of the Beatles and they review that March of 1966 the latest singles that have come in and they often, whenever often when there's a Motown song, they express their dislike for Motown because they think Motown right, is yeah. this kind of assembly line of not. And the other thing they seem to say which, is which now when people talk about Motown, it's so referential, right? Yeah, it's, that's what's weird. But the other thing the British guys seem to do is. Talk about how it's not authentic blues black music. And I'm like, what do you effing know about
2: <laughs> authentic is, black
0: music? That, That's <laughs> totally you, you're not British. Cool. Yeah. You're from Liverpool or Newcastle or something? Like, uh, come on. I mean, they're really too down on Motown as far as I'm concerned. But there is something about it they don't respond to. But I love that the Detroit bands seem to be totally okay with their, they're their hometown people and they're making hits. They have nothing wrong with like the Supremes. Like I mean, come on. Why, why would you have any problem with them? But, but you do see from American music that like the, what the Rolling Stones do will
1: be a song like you got to move. And I, I can't remember who's, who that's a cover of, but um, hmm. you, you remember like Rolling Stones have like a, a, a cover of you got to move and it's, it's recorded at Muscle Shoals and it's got slide guitar and yeah. it's really rootsy sounding. But then you you take Phil Collins has a cover of um, "You Can't Hurry Love," and mm. that's the kind of Amer like American artist we covered. "You Can't Hurry Love," so you get like that British view of the blues versus um, someone like Phil Collins appreciating the slick, yeah. of, of Motown. You know,
0: yeah, that's a preview, by the way, of our episode on "You Can't Hurry Hurry Love," which yeah, is yeah. Uh, so I won't say any more about it, but I have lots to say about those songs and those covers, but. Um, yeah, so, so back to this, um, we've got then the critique that – so we made, I think, some astute comments there. This line, the second verse is, working for a man you hate, 8 to 5 each day, which is interesting because it's not 9 to 5, it's 8 to 5. And you go, Yeah, they oh, make God. it a little longer, the reality yeah. of the situation. Yeah, and then I love this line. I was trying to look up what kind of particular rhetorical figure it is, saving every penny. Every penny has been saved. But it's kind of – uh, it's kind of a talking in present tense and then past tense. Saving every penny, and now fast forward, every penny has been saved. So I like that. I'm really glad you mentioned that. I like that
1: line a lot because, mm-hmm. like, the lines follow upon each other up till then, and then when he gets this saving every penny, every penny has been saved, and it it really obviously to redundancy. It doesn't say that much, but. It it just reflects the the pointlessness of it, like you're yeah. doing it, but it, yeah, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. That's what it means to me. Like to the listener, it means something, right? To the person yeah. who's saving, it's like it, it, doesn't it, it.
0: There's something here because he talks about your clothes are getting dingy, looking raggier each day. So the idea of time passing even 8 to 5 your daily drudgery and then you're saving pennies for something but what and then smoke too many cigarettes although you're afraid of fire or the, although you're afraid I, of fire I want to ask you about that line so what do you what do you think of that line how do you interpret it yeah, now that you put me on the spot and I have just thought about it at this moment when you live in an apartment i think about how nowadays we're not allowed to smoke in apartments but say 20 30 years ago you probably assumed that a lot of your um, your people that lived in the same building as you were smoking and that you were thinking, I sure hope they're the kind of people that don't fall asleep with a cigarette in their hand and burn us down to the ground. Because I remember back in the days, of course, when I lived in apartments and I was, you know, not as rich and wealthy and uh, esteemed as I am now. But that's, I mean, I don't think that's exactly what he's saying, but it just makes me think of that. But it just seems like he's a, the, and you know, what, I didn't actually check to see who wrote the song, if it's the singer or if it's some other member of the band, or maybe it's not even anyone in the unrelated segments doing it, although I'm certain that they wrote the song, someone from the band. But it just sounds like an interesting kind of contrast. You smoke cigarettes even though you're afraid of fire. Like, cigarettes are a kind of, even though in the 60s they were probably a lot more common, mm-hmm. but they were a, still a sign of kind of rebellion, right? You know, uh, people in movies that smoked. I guess maybe I'm stretching a little bit because a lot of people smoked in movies who were mainstream folks, but I'm just thinking of the, the cool image of smoking, but you know what? You're actually afraid of what it really is. You know, it's fire. Fire is something you're afraid of, but you smoke cigarettes. You aren't really ready to be living a dangerous life or thinking about things without safety in mind or something like that. I don't know if that's what it is, but that's, again, just my thought to the moment. And and what? could be something
1: in there about that sort of... Uh, I think it's Freudian. The Freudian death drive. Is that a Freudian thing where people are like...
0: Yeah, something like fanatose. Self, destructive drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Um, and It's the 60s, so I could see if these guys took their um, name from a... What is it? Statistics class. Right. They could yeah. also be reading Freud because they, it seems like they're smart dudes who are probably in college. Maybe they're only in college or university to dodge the draft, but... Uh, but they're getting something out of these classes here. And also, it does seem like they're using kind of chiasmus, right? That kind of saving every penny. Every penny has been saved. There's something yeah. literary going on with that. And in
1: the next line, too, this is such a smart line that we just talked about in the in the last song. So what
0: what's the next line in this? First? There's something that you need, but nothing is desired. Ooh, that's kind of deep. I mean, I don't know what it means, but there's something there. And also something that you need, but nothing is desired. Because I have it written down without the Gs, right? So it looks even better.
1: I think it is deep because it's like you've got a feeling of emptiness and you want something so bad. But that should be an easy thing to address, right? Because you could go get it. You don't know what it is. You've got a feeling. It's the Tosca. It's the, you know, that, that Russian Tosca, the Nabokov. Describe mm. Tosca where it's like the spiritual emptiness and, and what you want is to address it, but you can't because there's no way, like it just can't be. It's just, a, it's a spiritual emptiness that you've sort of inherited.
0: Yeah. And these guys are really good at pointing it out. I mean, I think the other two songs, especially the last one are pointing out a kind of like, so as garage rock post songs, they're actually pointing out uh, problems that are noticing as young people in their own home Right societies. I wonder about um, uh, to go back to the savages for a moment. How much they're seeing from Bermuda, and how much they're seeing from maybe the media going on because the U.S. might be something that is outside them. Whereas these guys are right. the unrelated segments. They are the U.S. They live in Detroit. They're in a place where they're seeing changes being wrought. I don't doubt that they're able to see what's around them and and convert it into these kind of images. And it, it is really smart. These are really good lyrics, and of right. course, as you know, they're really good lyrics. Uh, they show that these guys, you know, take their time. They they write, but they also make gutty, gutty, these weird sounds yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So you gotta have that as
1: well. You can't just be brainiacs and, and there's
0: yeah, there's nothing boring going on in this song. Yeah. None of the songs had a moment where we were bored. None of them. And yeah. they, they don't overstay their welcome. But this one's just got real novelty. It's got real strange sounds and it's got really interesting lyrics. And um, you know what I was noticing about the song? First of all, the other thing I wanted to say about when they're doing that is the like, do 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 do. I swear to God, Crosby, Stills, and Nash heard it and went, well, that's what we got to start doing. Do 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 do. Totally doo-doo, like in uh, Sweet Judy
1: Blue Eyes, right? Yeah. Like they do something like that. That's what I think t- this this song is just such a high level pop rock song it, it mm-hmm. this should like
0: this should be a, a hit that's on the radio all the time i think it's such a good song yeah these i think all of these songs are the songs when you want to talk about garage rock and you want someone to be like oh this is actually really really substantial yeah these yeah. three songs tell you for sure blue stars give you anger they give you fuzz the savages give you this like song with a title that almost seems like it could be kind of pat but instead it's this performance with that clangy guitar and that kind of folk rock folk punk kind of thing going on in it and the fact that the lyrics are inscrutable to a certain extent and then this one you get you're kind of in real bob dylan you're in garage dylan these guys are are making sounds and and sense and you were whoa this is really hitting you over like it doesn't hit you over the head in an subtle way it's making you think and it's got cool sounds and it's just bizarre and amazing um
1: <laughs> And this yeah, song and- is fast, as I pointed out. Yeah. Like, this reminds me of the like Nir- the Nirvana song "Stay Away." It's got a similar feel, and it's like so. This is comparable to a song that that you're hearing on the radio whenever Nirvana was around nineteen ninety two or three or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but like songs that were that were fast, like like these guys and "Story of My Life" by these guys too. It's a fast rocking
0: song. It like, is. These yeah, guys the are more such a good band. Listening back to it, where you really notice is because we, have we haven't talked about the weird middle eight or the weird bridge. Yeah, okay, that, yeah,
1: let's get. Let's because go there I, I just
0: realized I actually don't have the, the hey
1: and go as well. I've got
0: the lyrics for oh, the bridge. Okay, yeah, it I in do actually. Comment, I'm, yeah, you must yeah, have it from the comment, right? Yeah, and you know you are better off than anybody knows. He's singing it in a. Uh, he BLS sounds like Peter kind of Noon. No, 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 that's <laughs> better. That's it. Yeah, and they'll know it by your face, and they'll know it. By your like clouds. he sounds nasal. He puts on yeah. like a nasal British thing going on. Yeah, I and am. And then kind there's of... that Velcro. Oh, the Velcro sound comes back again. They keep doing that gookie dookie dookie, dookie yeah. uh, thing. Hey. And then that, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, that, that bridge is really interesting because, uh, so I actually haven't really considered the lyrics. You're better, you know, you're better off than anybody knows. You. Sorry, I pressed the button. My accent. keep going. That's okay. That's cool. Uh, and you, people are like, <laughs> keep playing it instead of talking. Totally. But if you're listening to our podcast, you actually are listening to the talking. Like, you can always go back and listen to the song. You could stop us and actually. But yeah, and you're better. You know, you're better off than anybody knows, and they'll know it by your face and they'll know it by your clothes. Uh, I haven't really considered that, but I guess just you know, you're better off than anybody. That's actually interesting. They'll know it by your face because maybe you're putting on a look of. You know you're doing well, and your clothes show it too. But to be singing in that way and to be performing this kind of fake upbeat kind of part is showing that they're uh pointing out the irony of that situation, the falseness of that situation.
1: I think they're they're criticizing that the music that that mm. came just before this music Ooh, right? Yeah, like they're saying that that Bridget, that positive like Herman's hermit sounding music. Yeah. They're saying that was a a lie that that positive sounding music that that was making your situation sound better than it is. It was just an opiate of the masses. Whereas yeah. our music is pointing out the reality. So we're pulling back the veil and we're showing you the reality of the situation.
0: Yeah, I mean they are talking about work in this song. That's you know that's not done often in rock and rolls to actually sing about work. And if it's done, it's more in the, taking care of business kind of stuff where there's no critique of work. It's just hey. Work is Everybody's
1: hard. working for
0: oh. the weekend. Damn. Man, ca- Canadian bands really like to talk about work. and oh, just yeah, really yeah. It's a big part of hey, our lives. Propaganda here is to make you think work's great, but uh, we need to get to the <laughs> Detroit guys to make us think about, hey, wait. Come on. And did you notice that the next verse is only uh, arguably three lines? It doesn't have – a fourth line because the next uh the verse is things are getting better getting a raise overdue i don't know how he sings that because that's hard that doesn't scan but he makes it, it work it's true it's like getting a raise yeah yeah getting raised overdue. but the prices that you pay takes enough for you the time you stop to look babe and that is all you'll do actually i don't know yeah. if i have that right but that's what we got from the course and then it doesn't have a next line it's like a uh, a truncated verse and that seems significant i didn't notice that until i didn't know so uh, you said it right now should we listen to it let's listen to it to see if it has some sort of effect on us or should if I it's just, just guess the time or do you have the time now i do not have the time on it I'm but just gonna uh, guess it. but uh we should mention because after that bridge they go back to the riff which makes it seem unrelenting oh it's back and then it's just kind of wild so some put it ever, wherever you want for a song where the whole thing is that chord combination
1: like a took it's amazingly like varied. Yeah. You, you, compared to other songs where you hear the same four songs. Like, for example, that song by uh, Eagle Eyed Cherry or something that's like Save tonight fight the break of dawn come tomorrow, tomorrow I'll <laughs> be gone. Alright, that was song from the nineties. It was all the same chords all the way up, and I was like, this song is garbage. But this song <laughs> <laughs> that we're listening to right now is all the same chords and they do so much with them. It's amazing. Let's hear yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
1: Sound. Is it a nose blow or something? I don't know what the hell it is. I
0: thought it was like the guitar just scraping the strings up it or might down. It be, but I can't make that sound. It's, uh-huh. it's wild. It's weird, yeah. Keep going. Yeah, let's
1: keep playing it.
3: That's
1: all you do. Are you gonna go? it, it's cool that in the line where he goes, things are getting better, getting a over to.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: then the way the lines normally go, you'd think he would say, getting a raise over to, but the prices, but he, he waits sometimes mm. just to, and I don't know if it's instinctual or he does not on purpose, but so he was like, getting a raise over two. But the yeah. prices that you pay, like he pauses at times. Yeah,
0: get really good, and he also does. But the prices that you pay, yes, takes enough for you, and so there, you're getting a raise, but you're paying for something. Yes, here. yeah, right, yeah. right. yeah, takes enough for you, and then you're right. Yeah, I'm right. <laughs> is that there is then he seems to say we have it as the time you stop to look, but maybe he says this time you've stopped to look, babe, and that is all you'll do. So, Babe is interesting, right? Because all of a sudden, wait has he been singing to a woman? Because I've just right. imagined he's singing to a another guy. And maybe it's a gender thing. Because when I hear eight to five, I'm all of a sudden just realizing that I'm imagining some nineteen sixties guy in a plaid or flannel shirt—plaid and flannel is the same thing—and that he's working. Because I'm thinking of Detroit, so I'm thinking somehow of, you know uh gm or something like that but then you know it also smoke too many cigarettes i'm thinking again of a man but i'm like well, maybe he was singing to a woman all this time because this but maybe he's also just or calling the babe guy babe. Term that could be yeah it alien. could be yeah it could be i mean there's there's it just seems a little bit gendered right the time just and it's also very bob dylan right the time just but the, i wouldn't say the song is dylan in the sense that i don't think they're copying him i think they're just being the unrelated segments I've never but, heard a song like this in my
1: life. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. I'm glad when I suggested it to you and I, I gave you these three songs, and you were like, for this one, like, I don't know, you said something about it anyways, that was excitable. So I was like, you're right. This song is amazing, <laughs> it is wild. And uh, but the th- one thing I'm right about is that, yeah, th- it appears to me if you're transcribing the lines the way I am that there's a missing fourth line, yes. and then you just go back into the chorus, which is where you gonna go, what you gonna do, and then of course, we got that uh great crossy, oh,
1: don't kid yourself, it's yeah, so
0: punk, it is so punk, it is really, yeah, and then um, yeah, it's just I, I, I have in my notes back to weird riff after stop, unrelenting. And then, uh, then it, you know, I, I basically just have in my notes, really helpfully, ending, which I can't remember. How does the song end? Because I thought it was, yeah, let's listen to it. Ending. We're gonna go. Oh, yeah. We're going to go. Repeat, repeat. We're
3: going to go.
0: You got nowhere. <laughs> yeah yeah okay that's what i meant but also the other thing is the guys doing the duty are going faster oh yeah
1: that's important that's a really yeah. important point let's hear that because that's actually a really neat part of the song it, yeah. it goes to show how conscious they are of putting in changes to make the song continue to be interesting which is really mm-hmm. impressive
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. let's hear it
3: those,
0: those symbols huh.
3: Just crash. That's to Crash, crash, crash. We're gonna
2: go!
1: You got nowhere to go, baby. Surely a band like this could have been like a big band,
0: right? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, knowing the songs they did, the unrelated segments are one of those bands that you go, why didn't they make it? And even the fact that they're doing the the, the sort of do 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 which I I don't know the timeline of Crosby, Sills, and Nash, but I don't think they're around in '67. If they are, then they're then these guys they're not copying Crosby, Sills, and Nash. They're just going do 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 But that's such a surprising element of the song for me when I first totally. heard it. I was like I was like, what's with <laughs> those? This garage with proper harmonies, like yeah. like good harmonies doing background vocals driving a song. In a weird, in a way, this everything about the song is weird uh and it it's still for remembering you won't that little part too it's just it, everything's great about the song
1: i've got a couple comments from the youtube i got to read these comments out for for Do it. our discussion Do so it. here's a comment from daniel Krohoff. 5440. I don't know if this guys from 5440. I don't know the name of <laughs> the guys in that
0: band. If any if American listeners don't know Canada's uh the band that always played at Canada day Fest. It seems like they Every always played I it Time I Look you know. At You I Go Blind. They they had all, hits only in Canada and uh, everyone learned to play in my generation that song uh, one day in your life. Doo Day in Your Life and I, I also like Santa Claus, if there was a Canada Day July 1st festival going on in your city, I think they played in every city in any July 1st. So they're in Edmonton, <laughs> but then they're in Calgary, then they're in Vancouver, then they're in Kamloops, and then they're in Toronto. They're like, how can you play? It's just the, the, the fascinating thing about Santa Claus and the fascinating thing about 5440 is that they played every Canada Day festival in every Canadian city on the same day. So anyway, yeah, sorry. Go back it's to... It's never been explained
1: to this day. Uh, So here's the comment from Daniel Kroha, 5440, and this is from one year ago, and this is a comment on the unrelated segments song, Where Are You Gonna Go? Thanks for commenting, referring to someone else. You guys, you guys is the band, because one of the guys from the band uh, commented in the thread. You guys put out some of the greatest Detroit or anywhere rock and roll singles of the 60s. I met Ron Stoltz back in the 80s. He was a great guy he mentioned an unreleased song called chocolate graveyard remember that. Anyways, I just had to read that up because of chocolate graveyard. I'm like, man, do I ever need to hear chocolate graveyard? And Why don't I have a band called chocolate graveyard? Why isn't our podcast called
0: chocolate graveyard? It's gotta be everywhere. Wow. It really makes me wonder. Cause it makes me wonder if the unrelated segments who kind of sound like they could have made an easy uh, transition to psychedelia, like a lot of garage rock bands in a way, cause psychedelia really is, a lot of it's just garage rock uh, turned. You know, I think about "Voices Green and Purple" by the Bees or something. You're like, well, that's mm-hmm. garage rock, but some people call that psychedelic. But it's just extra insane, extra acid. And uh, and so I wonder, like, "Chocolate Graveyard" <laughs> makes me wonder about, like, so did the guys that did "Story of My Life," uh, "Cry Cry Cry," "Where Are You Going To Go"? Did they maybe hit a nadir, as the word is, or did they actually make an amazing song called "Chocolate Graveyard"? <laughs> that I mean, somehow, yeah, we have to hear it. It's unreleased. Unreleased unrelated segments is something we need. Chocolate Graveyard. You remember that song, Chocolate Rain from... No. Oh, God. Okay, we'll have to talk about it off pod. Uh, I have a (laughs) list of things that we have to talk about off pod. One of them is uh, whether or not you and I put paintings on the wall. The other thing is Chocolate Rain, which was um, an early meme. Uh, Anyways, sorry, uh, Pastronauts. It is the third song, and we have been drinking. Um, Yeah, Unrelated Segments... Wow. Uh, I have nothing left to add. It's just that great ending, of well, course. It's I've, such a pessimistic song. And I've still got two more comments from the good. YouTube comments. Oh, good.
1: Okay, so this one is from seven months ago, but I I, I didn't take down who, who wrote it. But anyways, here's the comment from seven months ago. You guys rule. Really pave the way for all the shit we have now, I
0: think. So, <laughs> I, well, they paved the way for All the shit we have now. (laughs) Yeah, is that good? Is that bad? Um, Do do you think that a lot of people heard unrelated segments and then went on to... Is it like a Velvet Underground type thing? Like, you know, they uh, they only sold 100 albums, but each of those 100 people went out and formed a band. I don't remember what the actual, you know, story is, but the unrelated segments.
1: Did they actually do paving? Was that like a side job?
0: (laughs) I could see that because they seem like one of those bands. Since they didn't make it big, they ended up maybe just getting regular jobs. One of them owned because a, a lot of times I notice about garage rock bands. Like when we talk about uh, uh, Nightcrawlers, uh, who did um, <laughs> how come I can't remember the name of a song that Nightcrawlers did? Little Black Egg. Yeah, uh, is that these guys went on to jobs where they kind of owned a business? Do you notice they didn't work for a guy? They were their right, own. Right, they can't work yeah. for the man. I can't work for the man, so I could see one of the unreliables segments being like Ron Stoltz, like giving you a estimate on paving your driveway and being like, right, and you say something like, "Well, uh, you know what?" The other guy said a little bit less. I'll try to tell yourself, and you're like, "Whoa, you know, like, okay, I'll I'll go with you then because you know he you convinced me, you just yelled at me basically, <laughs> you convinced me that I'm a square and I got to go with your company. So, certainly, this guy could get me to like pay the price he was charging or something yeah, okay the price that you
1: pay. last comment from the from the youtube comments this one's from at the passenger 7440 now this is weird because we know there's a band called 5440 this guy's at the passenger 7440 which is not a band i know so i don't know if that number has some other correlation but
2: hmm. uh
1: and this one is from two years ago so i've actually gone to an older comment here and here's the comment It always makes me very sad to watch so many Holy Grails, capital H, capital G, to have so few relatively views and reviews. Those kids put their soul to make a 45 Vival. I think he means vinyl. (laughs) No money, no support, only with their talents, exclamation point. This is brilliant, capital B, emotional, emotional garage mover exclamation point superb rhythm great tempo mover unique colored vocals not sure what that means this one gets eight out of ten stars <laughs> that's what I love one, who does ten stars two so he said why is it not holy grail <laughs> so so Jesus would give this guy the holy <laughs> grail and he'd be like this is really good Jesus eight out of 10 stars and Jesus is like the fucking holy grail. Oh,
0: that, that's the ultimate way to really piss people off. Or especially like if Jesus comes back and then he gives you, he comes up to you and gives you the whole grand, you go look at it and go eight out of, eight out of, eight out of 10. <laughs> and he looks at you like, that's the only way you could just totally just give <laughs> Jesus the, the boots there. If, like, if you want to test Jesus's
1: capacity for forgiveness, and to turn the other cheek, you're like, I want to see if Jesus can really turn
0: the other cheek. You no, you, this, this is only girlfriend. And say eight out of 10 stars. ten stars. But you know what he do? The moment you said that, you thought you got it one over on him, and all of a sudden you hear ding, digga, ding, 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 and you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, ball. you're lost. You lose because he's actually in the unrelated <laughs> segments. <laughs> he's come back to reunite the band. And he's singing with Ron Stoltz. I'm seeing it right now, and it (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) You've heard it here first. Jesus, when he comes back, it's actually just going to be part of a garage rock festival. It's going to be, like, in Spain or something. The Gruesomes will be there. Uh, Muck and the Myers will be there. There will be some reunited band, like the Annelius X. And then all of a sudden, whatever band is the chosen band, Jesus will appear. And people will be freaking out because the first thing he's going to do is pick the song that he likes best which is also god's favorite song and, and we don't know what it is like
1: classic jesus has to pick the song it's got to be his song yeah but it's going to be like be the
0: center of attention we don't know if it's going to be psychotic reaction we don't know if it's going to be uh you're going to miss me we don't know if it's going to be gloria but it's going to be something off nuggets and we'll we'll freak out and then you know what because we're garage rockers meaning that we listen to Garage Rock and do a podcast on it, that we are the 144,000 that was mentioned in the Bibles that would go to heaven. Mm. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, we're, I we're, a, we're almost
1: on episode 150, so the, maybe there's some connection there
0: with the 144,000 and we're, the, we're getting near 150th episode. That's a good point, and it does sound like it's time for us to wrap up because it's getting too wild and woolly here. Yeah, no, live...
1: I'm starting to make no sense.
0: Well, I, I kind of kicked it off there. Uh, live and wild is what we are. Now, should we play Queen Haters or should we play Jetsons? It's up to you, or we can flip a virtual Jesus, or do Or do we pause and then play them for
1: ourselves and decide which one is more stunning? But how, how is anything going to beat the Queen Haters? But I, said, Queen I want haters. us personally to hear them both. So let's play okay. the Queen Haters, but you and I personally can also hear Solar summer
0: Oh, we'll go. do that after, yeah. And then we're going to uh decide which is the Bo Diddley Award winner of yeah. this week's Garage Rock Potest Songs. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm a friend She's not going to school
0: From Mel's Rockpile, that's the Queen Haters. Um, that's one of the best punk songs ever, and it's a parody. But I remember seeing that for the first time when I was a, a teenager, and I was just getting into you know punk rock, early stuff, and then getting into later stuff. And just thinking, well, that's just as good. And even though they're making fun of it. And also, it's just amazing to see uh, Eugene Levy. Do a guitar solo. And also, everything about it is amazing. Go, go ahead. You know what? I always promise I'm going to put something up on uh, on Facebook, and everyone knows I'm a liar. Everyone <laughs> knows I'm a liar. So basically, the best thing to do is if we say something or mention something, you should just go look for it yourself. I don't know if you're a liar and not follow througher. That's not yeah. as bad as being a liar. I'm lazy. I'm a lazy no. man, and I don't think about the past you're or just, not. I'm we, a we, terrible we, person. We
1: get excited here, and we we promise things that we're not going to be able to follow we
0: get excited like canadians do in an adorable way we're like little (laughs) cute cubs and uh we forget what we're doing sometimes and that's how we get away with terrible terrible things um so let's do the thing where we count down from three and then do the thing so three two one unrelated segments and unrelated segments i kind of thought that would happen to eric explain yourself I I will say I, I was trying not
1: to reveal this too much during the show because as I mentioned I these three songs are three of the best songs we've ever done. Mm-hmm. It's it's just an amazing set of songs here that we've done today, and they're ama- They're a super garage, and they're just super good songs. But this unrelated segment song isn't just my favorite song of today's show. Right now, this might be my favorite song of all time. Like mm-hmm. I I I can't get enough of this song. It's when I hear it, the lyrics they just get me so hyped up. Mm-hmm. And the chorus gets me so hyped up. And the only part that I was, once I started loving the song so much that I was like, but how do I feel about this part? Cause I loved it. But then once I started loving it so much, I had to decide how does it fit in with a song that I think is one of the best songs is this weird Britishy chorus. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's kind of weird. They do this. And then of course, eventually I came around to like, no, it needs to be there It's part of what makes it so great.
0: Yeah. It's part uh, of the critique.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's a powerful song by a great band, and it's a great performance. It, It's, you know, up there with some of the best rock performances a person could hear.
0: I think, yeah, by putting it third, which of course is just Cron pod, it's just later than the other ones. And uh, that then makes it sort of have the last word. But looking back on social and product, that could easily take it because it's yes. such a great garage rock song. It's got great lyrics on it. You know, it's got really um, – Blunt lyrics, but about the queen, which is why we played the queen haters there. That idea of the end product, which, you know, we talked about. Uh, and, of course, the world around the square, the savages. We love that strange sounding clanging guitar and the amazing chorus. And, it I mean, these songs are 12 out of 10, 14 out of 10. I don't know right, what you want to give. Not 8 them, out the, of 10. Not now, 8 out of 10. No, these are – there's and there's no way that this is 8 out of 10, the unvalued segments. But this one, to me – because I've been listening to it a bit over the last year or so, once I first uh, discovered it for myself, that is, is just going, man, everything about it, like the weird intro, it's got all those strange sounds. It's got even a sort of uh, slightly off garage rock vocalist. He's not doing exactly what you expect. He's not not really doing Jagger or, you know, whoever else is – is imitatable it's just a wild crazy song with great lyrics and every time you listen to it you just want to kind of rewind or listen back to it i don't think i have anything more really uh to add to that but i just think it's that's the one that stood up for me the more most this week actually a song like where are you gonna go or social
1: end product or the world ain't round it square it seems like there shouldn't be even the possibility of someone giving it an 8 out of a 10. It seems like like relating back to the comment you just made, it mm-hmm. should be either 14 out of 10 or 0 out of 10. Like, mm-hmm. that, it should be either someone going like, I can't believe you guys like this music, or mm-hmm. else saying, oh my god, yeah. this is the best thing I've ever heard, you know?
0: Yeah, it's a good point. It doesn't feel like something where you can be 6 out of 10 or 8 out yeah. of 10 even, because like, 8 yeah, out of 10, it might good. be, it's really good. They're, they're, they could have done something else with it. Like, what? <laughs> Out of all those songs, if you said to the Savages, well, you know, maybe if you stopped in between songs and told the audience, hold on, guys, while we tune our guitars and uh, so we can sound a little <laughs> bit more in tune for the song, that would have made the song worse. It would have not made it... By the way, if you, I think all of these songs have their... Um, maybe not the, where you're going to go, but uh, The World at Round Square has its own Wikipedia page. Uh, and then I think Social Man Product may or may not, but the Blue Stars have a Wikipedia page. And there's always mention of how these songs... Are really big in the garage rock canon, right. and I think where you're going to go by the unrelated segments isn't as much in the canon as the other two. So in a way, we pick the underdog. Some people might be mad because you know, in a way, New Zealand and Bermuda. You think, man, a garage band from Bermuda? How come you didn't pick them? Or a garage rock band from New Zealand? How come you didn't pick them? Well, Detroit does garage rock really well, and you can hear it in the unrelated segments,
2: undoubtedly. Yeah, you're right.
0: it's the only garage rock song i know that makes me like crosby stills and nash type (laughs) doing you know i'm like wow when i you're right when i first heard that i went i must have been kind of jumping up here in my uh, sorry my mansion not my apartment i sometimes I, i do i do podcasts from a small apartment that i have in uh you have an apartment, just because it's,
1: it's acoustically treated, so you, and your microphones are there. You just go. It's
0: where I meet my, pod. you know, my uh, my late night <laughs> assignations, yeah, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. So of course that, you know, I got to have that kind of place, a crash pad, you know, like the apartment with Jack Lemon. But stay tuned because we're coming up pretty close to think epi- As a matter of fact, this is going to be episode one forty nine. So episode one fifty is the next one, folks. You might have to wait a little bit for it, but it's going to be something. That makes sense, and something that is going to be kind of special. So, until you hear us, then be please be patient. And Eric, do you want to say goodbye to the astronauts? I do. Farewell, astronauts. We gotta go.
3: Bye, bye.